Welcome to the bonus episode. This is an episode that you paid good money for. Welcome to the bonus episode. There are no refunds. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Divisive Issues. But if you're listening to this, you probably know already because you're listening to our bonus episode. Wow! First Patreon bonus episode. So first, I want to say, what's a bonus episode? It's what we have when no one's listening, so now we're going to reveal it to our friends here for the first time. So, I want to thank everybody for donating. That's so cool. Yep, thank you yeah, so much. thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry for my immature joke. If you want to slap me, an extra $5 and you get to do that. <laughs> if you want to subscribe, please don't. We'll do better. We'll fire yep. bills. We'll, we'll, yeah, because we'll now we're beholden to you. <laughs> you can pay them to hit me. Yes, Ooh, exactly. Yeah. Pay us more. And we'll hit You're part of our elite Divisive Issue Boner Club. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so... No. So I was like, no, have, no, no, it's not happening. So, what have yeah. you chosen for us, live for our debut? All right, so for a little bit of outside context, we we were playing this and recording this when we did the, the Green Lantern Kami episode. So when we were doing that, we found this JFK uh, cameo appearance in Superman, and we wanted to cover it for the episode, but now we're going to cover it for you guys, and you're going to get the special... Device of issues treatment. The full. Well, we we didn't cover it for the episode because it's actually just a bad comic. <laughs> uh, I disagree. We'll. Uh, okay. We don't read bad comics on this show. Yeah. So. That has his weird perception. He always comes saying, "We don't. I don't want to read this because it's bad." And I'm like, "What podcast do you think you're on? Like, what, what do you think we do? Only good comics. I don't know." So, okay, I want to give some lore, not on the book, but on us. Oh, uh, what? So. This I comic, hate when it's like our our continuity. So Are you revealing comic, personal information about yes, me? I am. So this comic came out in February 1964. It's Action Comics 309. And Daryl said, and this is a fair this is a fair mistake to make. He said, oh, I think this is my first Golden Age comic. And we said, oh no, you you poor child. You sweet summer child. Golden Age is the 30s and the 40s and the early 50s. The Silver Age is the 60s. Daryl said, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then he said, wait, you guys lied to us. The, this says Action Comics 1938. It's definitely Golden Age. We said, Daryl, JFK is the president in this story. That's when Action Comics number one started. <laughs> How would this be 1938 if it's JFK? And Daryl said, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> For me, I wasn't thinking of JFK. I was thinking about the art style because my conception of when comics began is that it was like super homely and nice and made for kids and everyone was always smiling and they looked like the like little dolls, basically. Yeah. Well, I'll say I actually thought the, the same thing. Uh, what tipped me off, actually, because I didn't know this was JFK, was when they they asked Superman, can you go pick up from our last rocket launch the thing we dropped? And I was like, ro- ro- rocket? Rockets exist. This has to be in the 60s. But it's, it's important that uh, Phil and Daryl bring that up because uh, we mentioned like Golden Age Silver Age stuff before, but this really illustrates the point. Well, most people assume as like comic book stuff, like the really bright uh, pixels and colors and stuff like that. Pixels? A lot of that. Not pixels. Uh, I forgot what they call pigments. <laughs> really bright, yeah, pigments, pigments. Like, pigments. Sure. Because like, uh, no, but you know, like uh, when they, whenever people parody the style, the color processing usually will highlight the pigments a lot because it was very simple, cheap coloring sometimes. Yes. So like, I like uh, forget the artists. Like the, the pop artists will, will whenever they will have allusions to comic books, they'll really up the the size of the pigments to uh, really show that it's a print process. Yeah. So this is actually Kurt Swan, who's like. One of he's like the definitive Superman artist. Yeah, like, for like twenty years. He wrote he wrote like he drew like the most. Uh, but yeah, if you're more interested in the like Golden Age Silver Age divide, there's actually an episode in Comrade Classic at of that I did with Malcolm like way back when. That's in the one dollar Patreon level. 
So if you're if you hear this, you absolutely have access to that if you didn't catch it a year and a half ago or whatever, yeah. you know, however long it's been when you're listening to this. Yeah, but long story short, comics start out uh, like like comic strips became like de- detective comics kind of stuff, like little detective comics, not Batman detective comics. And the art was not refined back then. The art was much more raw and like loose and much less like sharp and refined amateurish more like because a lot of it was amateurish submitting their works to books and then superman came uh, even when superman came they were popular for a while but back then uh now they for granted but superheroes were viewed as a fad in comics the thing that cemented them uh because after they became big eventually westerns took over but became more popular uh crime stories became more popular horror stories became more popular like uh, comics became much more diverse but the thing is when during the 50s which is what Ryan talks about. Uh, they had a big scare, like like we have the rock scare, video game scare, where we're like, this is corrupting our youth. We have to censor this. So they censor comics, and basically the only thing that could survive in, in the new standards was very cheesy, corny, superior comics. So even the comics that were dark, like uh, Superman used to fight wife beaters and corrupt politicians, Batman used to murder villains, they all became whitewashed and clean and colorful. And all and that's the only comics that existed at that point. Yeah. So this is February 1964, yeah. and this issue is pretty actually important for a couple of reasons. One, first appearance of Pete Ross as an adult, Superman's oh, really? childhood friend. This is the first oh time he was reintroduced god. as a grown-up. What? Well, I was saying, oh my god, but I feel like Superman... with that genuine reaction. <laughs> that was Lex Luthor's Ross. vice oh, president. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> also, there's Super Horse in this, and Spooky, yeah, I was about to say Super Monkey. That I was just about to highlight that that it starts out saying this issue starring Lois Lane, Lana Lang, Laurie, Jimmy Olsen, Supergirl, blah blah blah, Legion, Batman, and Robin, Crypto, Super Horse, Streaky, Super Monkey, the Lookalike Squad of Candor, and the Jimmy Olsen Fan Club. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Streaky is the Super Cat, but they don't call everyone Super Horse, Super this, but Streaky's just Streaky and Crypto. What the fuck? <laughs> But actually, more importantly, Sly, I wanted to talk about this because I didn't know you knew this, but it sounds like you knew it already. Why is this issue such a big deal when it comes to JFK? Because this issue was released, like, like it was on the newsstands as JFK assassination. This happening. issue came out a week oh, after he wow. was assassinated. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that would be a pretty, like, landmark issue. They didn't have enough time to pull it because it was, like, already shipping and everything. So a week after he was assassinated, this came out. Yeah. And it's like, look, look at our fun president starring JFK. And, like... That's that's some noteworthy shit. You I know think, what? To talk about. I wonder. This is kind of cynical, but I wonder how much it helped their sales. The fact that it's like it had such a positive portrayal of JFK right at a time when people would be idolizing him most. He's not on the cover. He's not on the cover. So it's like a more. I'm saying like yeah. within it, like if, if like word of mouth being like, oh the. That, the, that is yeah. actually had they had a, one of the most famous Spider-Man, best selling comic of all time, is actually right after 9/11. Spider-Man had a memorial issue where Spider-Man, when this is the events of 9/11. It, like him and all the superheroes try to rally together and uh, try to. That's when Doctor Doom cries. Yeah, Doctor Doom cries mm-hmm. over the death of, of all the people. Uh, but that issue actually had a black cover, uh, and like it didn't make it clear unless you read it what was inside of it. And it became like the best-selling Spider-Man issue, like I mean, of all time, but definitely of that era of that like that decade. So like that that really does help sales, like those mm-hmm. those commemorative issues. So maybe who knows? But it's interesting because this wasn't like. They had no idea that that was going to happen. So, yeah. like, it's not like a commemorative. It's it's so weird. First, it was weird for me seeing, like, just JFK as, like, the regular president. Because it's just been, you know, like, I wasn't around, obviously. But also, like, I feel like JFK, we always talk about him in the context of the assassination. And yeah. seeing him as just, like, the pop culture president at the time. And then seeing that this was right when he was assassinated is, like, really, really interesting. It's rare me. to see something contemporary by JFK. More often, yeah, it's Yeah, exactly. 
So this is written by Ed Hamilton and drawn by Kurt Swan. So it starts with Superman getting a letter and but he gets it as Clark oh Kent. Oh my and god, he, he's such an idiot. He's, this is so okay, fucking this is funny. Absolutely ridiculous. So, <laughs> it's hilarious. He says he's like a letter addressed to Superman in care of this office. People are always sending him mail because they know that Clark Kent is his friend. But this letter it comes from the White House, from the President of the United States. And then he goes to open it, and Jimmy Olsen's like, "Hey, Clark, you can't open <laughs> Superman's mail. That's a felony." <laughs> and then like Superman's like, "Oops, I, I thought it was me. I guess I'll get it to Superman." He, like it's like no, like I wonder if Superman is Clark no, Kent. But <laughs> this is even worse. It's so much dumber than that because he says, "Uh oh, I almost gave away my my secret identity." Another incident. To bolster Lois's suspicion that I'm Superman. <laughs> and then as he leaves, he like, you know, rips open his shirt, he flies away, and then he goes, no need to open the letter now, I read it with my x-ray vision. Oh, Why didn't you fucking stuff. do that in the first place? <laughs> By the way, there's that, a lot of like what the Silver Age was, like, it was basically, Lois, like, people say, like, why, why is Lois so dumb? She can't tell this guy with glasses isn't Superman. Like, he puts on glasses, she can't tell. She mm. could tell, it's just a Superman gaslighter all the time with stories like this. <laughs> it's yeah. actually, it's extremely true. I didn't realize, like, back then that it it was constantly like Lois and Lana Lang like trying to figure out that Clark is Superman. They're like, I think I have this idea, but it keeps happening where it's like Clark and Superman show up in the same place, even though yeah. like he actually has robots. Like this is they, they, like Lois actually knows. Like I know Superman has robots that pretend to be Clark Kent. So let me make sure I'm going to find so out. There's so many people that know he had robots. Yeah, <laughs> there are like three different people that are like, oh, you can't use robots, can you? Here, yeah, like, yeah. Where where's Clark Kent now, you motherfucker? <laughs> oh yeah, we should mention the cover. The cover's important because back then, you'll come for the cover first. The cover came first. Julie Schwartz was the editor-in-chief, and he had this idea. Make a catchy cover, and then people will buy it, and then we have to just think of stories that fit the cover. Hmm. Yeah, wow, so, what a fucking forward thinker. Yeah, so <laughs> that's why there's, like, Superman really fat, eating, like, a million cheeseburgers, and it's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> you know, that makes sense. You start with the, the twist first, and yeah, then like you the, work back. It's like the clickbait of the old days. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the cover is like, uh, oh, this, this guy's, all my friends is here, but who is this guy? Clark Kent and the splash page is Lois and Lana inspecting him of a robot detector the Clark Kent uh, that's meeting Superman and he's like wait he's not a robot what the fuck is this like who is this guy <laughs> playing to be Clark Kent so like that's the big question is who is this non-robot Clark Kent and then another way this story is ahead of its time decades before video games Superman embarks on the first fucking trading sequence <laughs> side quest it's not really like a trading sequence it's more just like he keeps taking filler quests instead of doing his <laughs> goddamn job yeah there's, yeah. A, there's a TV show called Our American Heroes and they keep asking Superman to do uh, shit for them like yeah. drill, drill into the center of the earth and mine sulfur for us or something <laughs> yeah it's so, for a present for a geologist so, so first this is so dumb because Perry White, the hit Superman's boss, is on the phone. He's like, "Yes, Mister President." He's Clark Kent's boss, as, as a newspaper editor, not <laughs> Superman. Superman's boss, literally. Yeah. So I'm gonna spoil the why all these fetch quests are going on. What's really happening is they're trying to distract Superman long enough to prep him to be their first guest on the TV show Our American Heroes. So to really make sure he's not thinking about it, the president sends him on a quest to get a rocket cone from an astronaut flight f to be honored on the show of Our American Heroes. So yeah. really hiding in plain sight. And also, JFK, after he does the JFK, he's like, oh, thanks for the help, Superman. Uh, yeah. Thank you for the help, Superman. If you need any help, you can uh, call me. <laughs> so, so he finds the rocket code, and there's just a giant squid, like, fucking it or something. So <laughs> he doesn't want to hurt the squid. It has tentacles around it. We don't know its <laughs> sexual level. Activity. I assume, and Superman's like, <laughs> if I if I punch the squid, it'll hurt the it'll he'll squeeze too hard. So he whirlwinds around and makes the squid fly into the air. Which somehow it's like the squid's like fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's like he's stunned, so 
Instead of squeezing, his reaction is to try to get back to the water or something. I don't know. And, yeah, whatever. So he delivers the rocket gun to the White House, and then JFK is kept in shadow the whole time, as if we did it. But they explicitly say he's the president. And it yeah. really... It's, and you can tell it's JFK. JFK. It's very good silhouette, yeah. by the way. You can tell it's JFK. Yeah. So he's like, oh, thank you for this honored gift. They will love it on our American heroes. Now, we're, there's another guy on the show, Arkins. Doesn't have a first name or anything. He's a cave explorer, and he rescued two children lost in a mine. He wants to... They want you to get a gift, so that's when he, like, digs into the bottom, the middle of the earth and he finds a rare middle, metal, which will be a fun gift for him. <laughs> and then he gets back and they, oh, oh, they're paying tribute to a doctor for his great medical discoveries. So he goes to the jungle and finds a special like herb that will help with his research. And while he's there, like a cheetah scratches him and he's like, he doesn't even notice. <laughs> it's crazy to me that Superman is capable of doing all this stuff for this like fucking show, this TV show. But like if, wouldn't he just go and mine all the resources for like all of humanity's needs then? Yeah, he'll he'll appreciate having the plant for research for medicine. But like, why did do he that. just do that? It's, yeah, it, do that it's crazy to me that he's able to do this. And it's like, are you sure there's not one crime somewhere in the world he could be preventing? <laughs> to be, of like, this, this is like a, something Silverface Superman always. Does. Every issue was him be like saying, "Oh, I'm gonna go to Africa and, and resurrect this fucking volcano and stuff like that for his local <laughs> village." So he did do this a lot, but like, I guess he can't be doing this all the time. Yeah, he yeah. needs to take care of himself first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Self-care. He needs so to have then... a super day. <laughs> he has to have this sweet nectar of life before he can get out and do this. But then he thinks, wow, I've had quite a busy day rushing from one chore to another. Now the program director wants me in the storeroom. And then he goes, he's like, wait, this isn't a storeroom. It's a full TV studio. Seemingly forgetting that he has X-ray, X-ray vision. vision. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it, I guess in this Silver Age canon, he frequently forgets that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I could have just done that. Yeah. yeah. So that's when it's revealed that he's actually the first, the pilot episode of Our American Heroes. Because he's the greatest superhero of them all. Oh, and bro, everyone, Superman, you're so amazing. And everyone was in on it. And all, and, and all these bonus sh- episodes, I'm just going to make fun of Superman. I <laughs> also, when they say everyone, when Ryan says everyone's in on it, it's like everyone. a million fucking characters. Like, I was like, why won't this end? Like, who is this mermaid? And who is this dog? So, like, of course, well, first, first, we have to get into the conflict. So you hear the producer whispering, oh, did you, did you notify Clark Kent, who I'm calling out by name for no fucking reason? <laughs> and Perry White's like, I left a note at the office. I, I hope he shows up. And that's when Superman's like, I gotta get one of my robots to come. Otherwise, they'll know. I'll use my super ventriloquism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I hate comics so much. <laughs> yeah, this, when I was reading this, I'm like, this is exactly what I don't want comics to be. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, don't worry, we have lead-lined curtains. That's definitely healthy, and we'll come back to bite us in the ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, guess... we should clarify. Back then, everyone had lead-lined everything because everyone's like, I gotta make sure Superman doesn't see this. So everyone probably has cancer. <laughs> I have my, I'm wearing my lead underwear so Superman doesn't scope my dick. <laughs> Lead's not like asbestos. Like, you, have, you would have to eat it or drink it. to. to... Okay, I'm good. always eating Jimmy Olsen's underwear, so joke's on me. <laughs> So he's like, what's behind this this P curtain? It's got the big letter P on it. He's like, it could be Perry White, who I just saw in the previous panel. And he's like, no, it's Police Chief Parker of Smallville, the town where I grew up as Superboy. I didn't fucking know that in the Silver Age, everybody knew Superboy grew up in Smallville. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, because they, uh, he was like actually active in Smallville. Like, that was his thing. And no one ever connects the dots that yeah. Superboy <laughs> was in Smallville, Clark Kent. This, is, this is where I was like, how have people, like, 
even even with the super ventriloquism and the robots, like, how have you not realized that Clark? Because Smallville can't be a big town, right? There's probably gonna be like a hundred. <laughs> Smallville, people there. and then when Clark Kent leaves it, Superman leaves it. It's like, come <laughs> well, on. it's because they're best friends, guys, and even though they're in the same place at all. <laughs> Oh, I'm having lunch with him. Uh, 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 yeah, bye. here comes a robot. I'm gonna and, and don't worry if you need to contact me. Send letters to Clark Kent. Well, the the, the police chief shows up all these whittled statues, and one of them, like, the, my favorite one is this, this Bizarro Superman. Bizarro Superman is like Superman's imperfect clone. He does the opposite of what Superman does. So like uh, he everything's the opposite. So the statue they have of Bizarro is. Him getting spanked by Bizarre Boy because when Bizarre Boy is bad, it's the dad who gets spanked. That's how it works. <laughs> and one of the things I, I wrote in the Discord is I was like, what does this say about the police chief that this is what he chooses his time to do and construct? <laughs> he makes two statues. He makes Superboy holding up the citizens of Smallville, like the Kents and his best friends. Uh, very obviously, it's Clark Kent. No Clark Kent, I see. <laughs> oh, wait. Then, no, yeah, 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 there is there. a Clark Kent. Oh, but then okay. also the spanking one. Like, those are the two he brings. Yeah. yeah so those, those why, are the two why, support ones. Why, why make a spanking one? Where, where it's your son spanking you, man. Why would you do that? What are you trying to say? <laughs> That's what he wants. That's what he wants. So then, and this is the dumbest thing, because everyone's always laughing about how, like, everyone in Superman's life has two letter L's. And he's like, they're like, it's a letter L. And he's like... He says it's a very lovely lass, and he's like, who could it be? Is it Lois Lane? Is it Lana Lang? Is it Superman's Silver Age love interest, Lori Laramus, who's a mermaid? It could be any of them. And then he's like, you're wrong, Superman. It's all three of them. And meanwhile, like, so far as watching this on TV saying, hey, I'm an LL too. Why wasn't I there? This is bullshit. And then you're like, these guys really were lazy with naming. But <laughs> yeah. well, it's, probably, it's probably like this fucking um, Stanley named everyone alliterative because he couldn't want to feel like remembering everyone's names. Like, um, but yeah. why, why name them all L? I feel like that would be really confusing. I agree. That's I don't know. That's men writers at the time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So then he talks to the mermaid, Lori, and he, she's like, uh, Lois and Lana are stupid, as thick as these. This whole stupid comic is just like, they're just constantly like barraging you with concepts that you're like, sure, I guess this happened. Because the, the, the mermaid reveals she has psychic powers and she can read <laughs> thoughts and you're like yep okay all right you no got but it. but Lo- lois and lana are shielding their thoughts and he's like thanks <laughs> yeah. for the warning when these two rivals join forces something's wrong apparently lois invented a like robot detector that oh no they borrowed it from professor potter whoever the fuck that is <laughs> <laughs> and she's like this can detect so if superman shows up as if clark kent shows up we'll know that it's a robot and clark kent's like <laughs> so he's like, I gotta think of something uh, quick while I'm doing all this other shit for the show to make Clark Kent show up without being a robot. Mm-hmm. So then a spotlight breaks and almost falls in the mermaid's tank, which, like, having an electric device fall in her tank, that's pretty dark. But luckily, Supergirl shows up and saves the day. A lot, and then she shows up along with Super Horse, Streaky, Crypto, and Super Monkey. And they show up and they have a big uh, circus car- uh, carnival. I am definitely quitting the show after this. <laughs> And then what's great is after that scene, they're gone. That's it. They're done. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> so then they're, he's like, what's behind the letter K? It's And somebody's on, on at home watching and he's like, it can't be crypto. The super dog. Most, 
was just there with the other pets. So then Superman's like, who could it be? And then it's the Kandorians <laughs> from the tiny shrunken city of Kandor, shrunken by the space villain Brainiac. Yeah, Krypton uh, had, a plant, had a city that got shrunk down and, and used as like a model city, and Superman found it and saved it. I knew about Kandor, but I didn't know about this fucking concept. What happens, Daryl? <laughs> it's that as they're flying, it's little people, and they're the famous lookalike squad, a club of Kandorians that look exactly like your friends, Lois and Perry White, and you. And so yeah. he's like, oh, Clark Kent look-alike. And it, it's Clark Kent with glasses. And it's like, I could use him. It's just that he's small. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love him. the idea that that look-alike Clark Kent like, gets context once and everyone's like, fucking Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized this. How did he not wake up in the middle of the night like, and see like, wait. You bought my glasses exactly like Superman. Holy shit. Well, because apparently every fucking month there'd be a new issue where they were like, you're definitely Clark Kent. He's like, no, there's this other reason why it can't be. And like, think about if you suspected somebody's secret identity and every single month there was, you saw them in the same room together. Maybe you would be like, he, he, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, which is why I love that this this has gone on for so long that Lois has figured out he uses robots to be Clark. <laughs> yeah. So, so then it's it's a letter P. Yeah, letter P. And Superman thinks, is it Perry again? No, it's <laughs> Pete Ross. So this is when Pete Ross is reintroduced. Pete Ross, who is Clark Kent's best friend uh, from Smallville. Yeah, and he even says like, oh, I remember all the times like the my family was my family was like starving to death. So Superboy showed up with a bunch of food, and then they dug underground. No, he dug underground for them. Like he's like, I can't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> because they're like, oh, it's great. Superboy's doing this for us, but we we great. We have money of our own. So Superboy's like, I'll I'll help you. He goes underground and finds fucking oil, and Pete Ross becomes an oil tycoon. So Pete Ross, <laughs> Pete Ross is from the Beverly Hillbillies, I guess. Yeah. Because that's the premise, and he's like, now I'm a rich geologist. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> then the Jimmy Olsen fan club shows up. Oh, what God. the fuck oh, is this? <laughs> so they show up with a lead box. And it's like, we have a surprise for you. It's lead, so you can't see what it is. So he opens it, and it's a block of gold. And they're like, we found gold, and we figured Superba- Superman will get it and give it to charity. And... Then the Legion of Superheroes shows up. We did an episode on earlier. They're yeah, the they're worst. from the future. They time travel around, and yeah. there's too many of them to fucking keep track of. And they show up, and they're <laughs> like, "Wait, that isn't gold. It's gold kryptonite." No, and who says that? Element Lad. Yeah. He says, "Because of my ability to analyze elements, I can see that's not gold, but gold kryptonite." I love. He reaches out of the their space, their uh, vehicle. It's bubble. a time sphere. Yeah, he just zaps it and turns it to platinum. And he's like, that way it's still valuable. As if Superman can't just go and mine all the fucking platinum he wants. Yeah. And Gold, gold Kryptonite, by the way, it, uh, back then they had a different... Because when the Kryptonite came out, it was such a hot new thing. Like, oh my god, Superman has a weakness. That they released all these different colors. Like, Red Kryptonite makes him turn to multiple people. I forgot all the different effects. But they all did different crazy effects. And Gold Kryptonite makes him lose powers. And back then... Forever. Uh, gold yeah, Krypton- forever. Kryptonite makes you lose your powers forever. Well, they really messed up here, this kid. Yeah, and by, by, by the way, and that's my other point. Back then, it was so common. People would regularly do this. People would be like, hey, Superman, I found this rock. And, like, it was so common. Kryptonite was so common. Like, they actually had a story arc in the Bronze Age where, like, Superman makes a raid and destroys all the Kryptonite on Earth. So basically, make it so, like, not, you don't step over Kryptonite every five seconds. It's actually the best. It's the best pre-crisis Superman story It makes sense because he would do that. I was wondering about that, too, because I'm like, when I saw this, I'm like, he must be a plant for, like, some supervillain because who just accidentally picks up gold Kryptonite? Everyone did back then. Everyone would just Like, there's actually story the first bizarre story was bizarre is falling to his death and Superman goes to save him but then he, a rock nearby just happens to be kryptonite oh shit I'm gonna save him now I guess he's, I guess he's fucked 
But even then, they're like, Superman, you were a second away from being permanently depowered. And we're on a show talking about how you're the greatest superhero of all time. And the kid goes, oh, you ought to boot me out of the fan club for this, boo-boo. And Superman's like, don't worry about it. It's a natural mistake. Jimmy's made them plenty of times, right, Jimmy, you piece of shit? <laughs> That'd be funny. Like, the episode to honor Superman will be like the last Superman event. <laughs> also, I, I have to say, this next part is so it dumb. It is brought up by the fucking Jimmy Olsen fan club. <laughs> Lex Luthor's okay. in jail. He couldn't do anything but this this group of boys with bow ties. <laughs> so Superman's like, uh, thank God. Chameleon boy's here. He's my deus ex machina. He'll turn into Clark Kent and it'll be fine. And they're like, uh-oh, there's an alert that there's a crisis in the future. We have to return at once. It's a time machine. Yeah, at <laughs> once. It's like, uh, that's not how that works. You can go... Whatever. <laughs> well, that's that's not a time machine. Every fucking DC time travel story is like this. It's always a fucking time crunch somehow. I don't know how it fucking works. Somehow it's like simultaneous at the same time. It's like another dimension that this. Ta- it's like time crunching kryptonite rocks are just everywhere. <laughs> And yeah. then they, they introduce this next way to get out of it for no yeah, fucking reason. Wow. Where Pete Ross, Pete Ross is thinking like, wow, Superman looks worried. Is it possible that he's on a spot? He doesn't know I've always known that he's Clark Kent. One time I was watching him change and I found out he was Superman. When we were I, was, I was happy watching him change. So, so Smallville people did know. Yeah. But he's like, but I'll never tell him. And Superman's like, who can I call him for help? And the narration's like, ironically, the only person that can help him, Superman does not know. And and literally, he says, uh, like, Pete Ross says, well, I won't help him because he'll have his robots do well, it. To be fair, I think the point is to like, set up a bunch of uh, possible uh, candidates for the final Clark Kent. I know that's what it is, but the yeah. writing is just it's so bad. so dumb. Yeah. So then Superman's like, I've got it. Batman will do it. I'll summon him via my super ventriloquism. Yeah. And then he uses... So, Silver Age Superman's so overpowered, but I didn't realize he could x-ray vision across the whole fucking world. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, either. there's nobody in the Batcave. Where can they be? And they're like, don't worry, Superman, we'll distract you with this curtain that says B. And he's like, oh no, I hope it's not. It's Batman and Robin. And they're like, don't worry, Commissioner Gordon gave us the day off. <laughs> uh, wait, guys, can, can Superman not just x-ray vision through the world, but also he has infinite like telescope vision? Like, can he see everything? <laughs> there's actually a power, yeah, it was called telescopic vision. He actually Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> it's like I said, they just they come up with anything and they're like, this is like canon now. Telescope this is, is his ability. Makes sense. If, he, if, he, if, he, if, like, if he can uh, uh, heighten his hearing to hear far away he could, and you can zoom in, like why wouldn't he be able to zoom in with his eyes? Honestly? It's just crazy that you can zoom across the planet. That is, but it, like, that's that's kind of like the gods, Superman, they have in like yeah. Superman Returns where he's just... The same story where he got rid of all the kryptonite, they also like really depowered him a lot. So, uh, so is like, Superman, even though it's consistent possibility that maybe afterwards Batman will unmask and become Clark Kent. But then Batman shows up and he's like, hey, let me show you how I look at my mask clothes. So and he's, oh my God, it's so good. And it turns out he has, he's a bizarro actually, but he's like, no, I'm not bizarro. I'm actually wearing bizarre makeup. Ha ha. Now you can see what bizarre Batman looks like. Ha ha ha. And then Lois is like, good, now he can't take his makeup off. (laughs) That would take an hour to remove. Batman couldn't do that. And I just love the idea that Batman's like, hey, Lois, you've always wanted to know who I am. I'm Bizarro. Ah, fuck you, I'm kidding. By the way, uh, later on they actually did have a Bat Bizarro. Uh, Bat Zaro, his name is Wayne Bruce, and he's the world's <laughs> poorest man and the worst detective. <laughs> Am I misremembering it, or did he kill his parents? And that's how he, he I think him. he killed his parents. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Comics are so, there's like h- higher level, this is like four dimensional thinking here. Yeah, <laughs> chess. Uh, 40 so, chess so they, for idiots. <laughs> so then finally, Clark Kent shows up, and Lois and Lana are like, it can't be. And she's like, I'm hitting him with my robot detector, and it's not beeping. Or is our theory about Superman wrong? And then it's up to the reader to guess. So, did you guys know who it was? No. 
Me? No, I didn't no. know the premise. I, I ignore you guys when you tell me what to read, so I just, <laughs> I go to the comic and I'm like, let's see what this is. Like just, yeah. Just, just, just passive observer, just like, I'm not fucking gonna do any <laughs> guessing. So, Superman, so Superman's like, thank you guys, it's been such an honor. And then afterwards, he meets with Clark Kent, and it's JFK <laughs> wearing mm-hmm. makeup, which, if you could just pick anyone to put on a mask and makeup, like, all the other people looked like Clark Kent. For here, he's just like, I'll just have anybody do it. No, but the thing is, he all, all people yes. he has some that he can trust and JFK if he could be trusted of the world's the nation's secrets he can be trusted with Superman's identity as, and as Superman says at the end I knew I wasn't risking my secret identity of you after all if I can't trust the president of the United States who can I trust <laughs> but this is wait like, for Nixon yeah, wait for John this, Trump but this <laughs> yeah. is kind of like so sad to me because like America just watched their president get murdered and yeah. then Superman's just like wow he saved even Superman and he's the most trustworthy <laughs> like lawful good person in the world I'm like that's kind of tragic yeah it yeah. is really tragic it's also just like sad thinking about like how Sly said that it's like nowadays it, it's a weird idea like trying to put very pro put your trust in the government into a kid's comic book yeah yeah, yeah. But that's like what we were saying at the very beginning. Like, in the Silver Age, the government literally said you have to do that. You can never put people of authority as villains. Yeah, and uh, this is why Superman got the reputation, like, that in Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that, where he was the government's puppet and, like, uh, Batman was, was, like, the upriser trying to go against uh, status quo. Uh, But keep in mind, this is the same Batman that in the Silver Age needed to ask the police commissioner for the day off so he could visit his Yeah, that's why it's always funny. Like, it was really, like, an alternate interpretation of Batman anyway, but that's when I took off. Like, this dorky Superman and rogue Batman. So, as it is our special Patreon episode... Do we have any sort of special, like, final judgments type Wait, well, thing? Well, first, first we just say, like, what we thought of this issue. I'll go okay. last, because I'm going to surprise you all. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, uh, surprise. I thought this was bad, but... <laughs> that's I, it. Nope, end the episode. That's, no, it. Like, that's it is, all we need. It is poorly written. The mystery is so dumb. Like, everything about it's dumb. But I, I have a soft spot for, like, camp. And one of the things that I like about, like, Silver Age Superman is it's, like, it doesn't walk that line that we talk about on the show a lot, being, like, really awkward, where it's, like, half serious and half not, where, like, I could just read this and laugh about it and not, like, really think about it at all. Hmm. Like, it's not, like, in other episodes where it's, like, you're so close, but then, like, there's this weird chipmunk there or, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, chipmunk Green Lantern or whatever. But, like, this just, it really, like, works for me as, like, if I was a seven-year-old kid, I would love this. So, I like it, but it's bad. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a lot of, like I said earlier, what I dislike about comics is pretty much, like, crystallized here altogether, where it's, like, it's really optimistic, and it just wastes my time. So I'm like, yeah. no thank you. Yeah, I, I also disliked it for those same reasons, uh, especially because of how much of this episode is just, or this issue is just, here's a character, and then another character. You know this character? Remember the mermaid? And it's like, I don't Remember the small Superman people? I didn't even know about half these people. And I'm like the biggest Superman fan anybody knows. <laughs> That's why it's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Is that your final thoughts, Sly? My final thought is I love this comic. I think it's great. Um, I think I ironically like it. I think a lot of the stuff uh, was made to be funny. And I think this succeeds at being funny. So I think it's a good comic. It is funny, I will say. Like, uh, like this wasn't meant to be... Like, at this time, comics were meant to be uh, daring or edgy or ambitious and a lot of writers what they did they just made funny stories and there are bad golden age sto- I mean uh, silver age stories I don't think this is one of them I think this is funny I think it held my interest I read it and I've read a lot that's more that's true b- I wasn't bored at all yeah it does have an interesting like main uh, conflict 
And one thing I want to point out is this is back then there were two stories in each issue. So that whole thing was like, what, 12 pages, 13 pages? Yeah. Like, it's not that... You got your were back then. It might be an exercised issue. But yeah. it's it's like, you would get this and another story for what, like 12 cents? And there's also a comic strip with uh, Super Turtle about him trying to <laughs> save a uh, burning building by flying it over to the fire department. And that, like, it's... You would get a lot, and it was, like, fun and silly, and, like, a lot does happen. Like, every page, there's a conflict and a resolution. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, for what it is, like, like to, to entertain um, kids, like, I think this is, and I think even for adults, like, this is humor and just being how goofy it is. I think it's, I think, yeah. I, I actually like it. So, uh, so yeah. Ezra Sly likes uh, fun campy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like that, that you bo- both like, like, bullies getting murdered in horrific ways, and then just, like, they have a robot detector, what is Superman gonna do? Well, it's, maybe people are more complicated than you think, Daryl. That's maybe. true. That, that's a good. That's a good note to they end. They can on. disappoint you in so many different ways. Yeah, like, <laughs> Sly can be an idiot. He can hate everything good and like everything bad all at once. Like it's amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Silver Age Superman. And if you want to hear any special Patreon issues, you know we are we're open to a lot of stuff. So you should reach out to us. You guys give us money, so we'll listen to you more likely than just some randos on Twitter. Yeah, I'll basically do anything for money, so whatever. Yeah. And yeah, thank you again so much for donating. That's like the super coolest thing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, thank you. I've been LL. I'm not really Ryan. I've been the Ryan from the lookalike squad of Candor. I've been super horse. I mean, super monkey. I mean, super dog. <laughs> I mean, super ca- oh, streaky. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm Bizarro Daryl, and I like this comic. Stay in continuity. Hello, welcome to the bonus episodes for Divisive Issues. I, we already, you don't know, chose the first one, so let's just get into it. What are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> so, we are going to do Detective Comics 337. Why? The best one! <laughs> Art by Carmen Infantino, written by Gardner Fox. Wait a second, did Batman have his own, like, comic series by now? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Uh, they kept like Superman kept action comics. Batman kept detective. Just because they're so iconic, like they didn't want to uh, end those books. Oh yeah, like, I, it's still making like money. Yeah. There'd be yeah. no point in just discontinuing a series. Yeah. So the only bit of lore and backstory I want to give here is the reason why I even read this book is because it's done by Carmine Infantino, who is actually one of the most important Batman creators ever, and people don't realize this. He. Like, the, the modern Batman costume that we think of, like, with the yellow circle and the gray with the blue, like, gloves and boots, that was his redesign in the 60s, right before the Adam West show came out. Before that, it wasn't as bright, and Carmine was like, let's make this more, like, poppy, and that's, like, where that, like, camp style came from. Yeah, and, like, that logo became so iconic that when Tim Burton made his movie, all he did what showed was the logo because they said, it's just that logo is enough to tell everyone that's Batman. We don't even say the title when, or just when it's coming and the logo. Like, that's how iconic uh, this costume became. Yeah. It's really interesting, especially because, like, even when Batman gets, like, dark and gritty, it still uses a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, of, like, yeah. doesn't he have the same costume, like, nowadays? That, with the yellow, it's like variations, and the blue. variations on it. Like yeah, he, he, they're he, all he, different variations, but they're. No, I'm saying like in his that. in his current run right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about the current one, but he, like recently, like um, he had one that had the oval and stuff like that going on still. Hmm. Yeah, we should make. Uh, so this is different from the previous issues because it's not. It's not. I don't think it's a cover bait issue as much as the previous ones. There's also no Superman or Jimmy Olsen, which I'm I actually was disappointed by. 
Yeah, well, the thing is, Carmine was doing most of the Detective Issues covers, and every once in a while he would do an issue too. So he might have been the one coming up with these crazy cover ideas that we talked about, at least for Batman. I was wondering because this, this doesn't have the tone as the other ones. It just shows a... Uh, so just a tease what's in the book. It's a uh, caveman so covered dumb. in ice. Caveman covered in ice and Batman's going to kick him. And they're fighting in Gotham and it says, featuring the deep freeze menace. Like covered in ice, like encased in ice. Yeah. But he yeah. can still move around and stuff. But he's on a rooftop. <laughs> yeah. But but it doesn't feel like a clickbaity because it doesn't have like characters saying, wow, it's a caveman from the prehistoric age and he's, I'm going to fight him even though he's covered That's in ice. True, yeah. Like it's missing all that. So it feels like this was a story they wanted to tell. Like, the first is... page is like that though. <laughs> yeah. The first yeah, page shows like the, the Jimmy Olsen. Yes thing where it's like what's happening like in media res it's like look at the strange caveman's abilities how'd this happen i'm throwing tear gas at him and he's expelling it back at me <laughs> yeah it still has that aspect of it but since it's missing the cover dialogue i wonder if if, it, if the story was a story the writers actually wanted to write <laughs> yeah this is gardner fox's true creative vision yeah <laughs> oh man well something this weird had to have been like a a fit of passion that he felt <laughs> or drug so, fueled in some way yeah. aside from that in media res page it the actual story opens on earth fifty thousand years ago where a hunter creeps towards his prey a thief named is it brug no brug. Oh, brug. The, thief, brug. The, the guy creeping is the is is clag the hunter he's a future he's a future uh ice man so it's spelled like brug but later on batman thinks he says bruce so i think it's brug yeah probably brugly bruce Lee. <laughs> so clag is about to Capture. lunge at brug an, an important thing to point out is that he's been chasing brug this whole time and brug has been changing his furs and acting as different like people so he can to steal the, f- the food of the tribe? Yeah, the yeah. fool clag, which is an important plot point. <laughs> <laughs> I hate so, this comic so, so they start <laughs> they start fighting at the top of a mountain, and clag bellows, die, Brug! But then Brug collapses in exhaustion What's... and falls really far. No, not Brug. What's amazing is Clegg beats the shit out of Brug and he goes to like beat him off a mountain and Brug is beating the chef. So he collapses down and Clegg falls off. Like he goes to hit him and just falls off. Yeah, like he's, he's so tired and he falls and like that. Like, like it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a three skate where he just falls down and the guy rolls over him. Yeah, it's the only time I've seen a guy like he actually he won, but he was so aggressive he lost <laughs> so Clag falls in like like a river or something that like freezes him over like Captain America <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a reference to um you know guys know Otzi the Iceman that yeah that, that guy they found in the Swiss Alps or whatever like I, I did they find him in no, the, cause it, this is not... from 1965 yeah that's what I I was like when I looked at the year of this comic, I'm like, oh, they found Otzi in like 1990 or something. Yeah. Was that so the like, was that the, was there nothing like that in the past? Oh my god, that was Brug. <laughs> That's what happened to him. There are other things like that. It's just like because um, because uh, this is not the uh, I'm going to say at the end. This, this is not the only story like this from old comics on time. <laughs> it's just Otzi's like the most famous of them. But yeah. So now there's Clag's so, second most famous. So we see. <laughs> Clag in a deep freeze state of suspended animation, and then there's an earthquake that launches him out of the side of a mountain, and it, it it causes tiny openings to form in the ice that sheathed his body. Which, when I first read this, 
I thought that the tiny openings were like cracks along his limbs so that would allow him to move, even though like he an had, action like, figure. Yeah, like that, exactly like that. But no, they mean little tiny, porous, super small dots. And those dots allow his heart to start pumping and his lungs to start breathing. And, and for <laughs> gives him superpowers. <laughs> so yeah, this he has is, like power when I was reading, I was reading this book while I was proctoring a readings exam, <laughs> and. I was like, okay, this is whatever, because I was reading the whole book. I wasn't ex- like looking just for Clag or whatever, mm-hmm. and so he has these minerals drip into the ice while he's frozen, and then it launches him out, and he's standing there because now he can move around. He's standing in the the modern times, and he conjures a mental picture of Brug and his old hunter instincts, sharpened to an extrasensory power by the long action of the cave minerals seeking through his pores, begin to function. Like a living antenna, he turns with awkward movements of his ice-locked legs until he senses a brug in his line of sight, a long distance off. And then he flies away! (laughs) I think it's supposed to be that whatever was dripping into this cave for 50,000 years, like was in the same way comics always are like magical and, and gave him powers no it, it just says cave minerals so unless you think all <laughs> yeah. cave minerals are magical uh, what uh, is kryptonite not a mineral i mean <laughs> yeah like, element. who knows gamma gamma rays apparently turning to big green monsters <laughs> but then say like that not just cave minerals like it's yeah, any cave yeah. you go into. i mean this is a stupid comic like this is the worst thing we've <laughs> read in a long time so. are you saying a caveman in frozen in ice that can fly it's especially because he can move his limbs and stuff but how, like he's a solid block the whole time <laughs> as you know? soon as he launches in the air i'm like oh i'm gonna make phil daryl read this <laughs> <laughs> so he flies to india and he finds a he finds azam ja the sikh who's tracking an elusive tiger. And he's a guy with a turban and a gun. And he, the caveman just flies over and just attacks him. Because he's like, yeah, you he... won't fool me in that new outfit, Brug. <laughs> he just clocks him over the head of the, his, uh, well, what do you call it? Yeah, the, seek, the seek shoots him a couple times, but the ice protects him. Mm-hmm. And then he knocks yeah. him out, and then he looks at him, he's like, wait, this isn't Brug. His scent is not right. <laughs> My favorite yeah. is it shows him, like, it shows Clack's face, and he's, like, smiling in the ice. I'm like, how, like, in- how frozen is this ice to your body? <laughs> it's also not ice, because you know what? Bullets can go through ice, but not this ice. Because it says the shells yeah. flatten when they hit the ice. So, like, this is, like, magic ice. I mean... <laughs> Cave mineral ice. Cave mineral ice. So now he <laughs> oh sounds like a, a special type of special water. This part is so good. <laughs> so is this? If this man is not Brug, where is he? Quickly, Clag's mind focuses on another Brug and levitates. So he's like he Professor X, where he can literally see human faces throughout the world, and like he's cerebroing the, all the Brugs, all the Brug lookalikes in the world. So as he's flying, it says. Though unable to comprehend his newfound powers over natural forces, he learns how to use them easily enough. He calls on lightning to speed him towards his prey, so he's flying through space with lightning bolts hitting him to speed him up. Which is... We should we should clarify. We're, we're explaining this too much. Like we're making it seem like the illustration explains this. Like all, all it is is like he just starts flying away towards. No, uh, he's reading America. the narration I, boxes though. Like yeah. they say, lightning I, I know, strikes. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm no, but saying, this I'm is saying, like one like, small panel. Like oh, all yeah. of these things yeah. are. It's like, like all of a sudden I, he's I, flying I missed... with lightning. I missed the mind focus part. If you missed that one text part where he says like he mind focuses everyone <laughs> in the universe and f- finds out the next Brug, you do not get that at all. The illustration, the illustration, the illustration yeah, yeah. Like, it just looks like a caveman. It, literally, out. the writers were just like, "Wouldn't it be funny if a caveman could do all this stuff?" Like there was no, there's no like uh, actual explanation. Like, but then I love this detail that they put in. The, that prey, the new Brug, lives in Gotham City. Just where, he's not sure. For Clag has never been in a city in all his life. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> 
This is a lot of narration, by the way. This is like Daryl. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that bad because it was all like this stupid, crazy caveman. I was trying to understand how he has these abilities. It's like, I was thinking about this. Do you guys think it's better when it's unexplained or do you want to explain like so poorly that it's like, oh yeah, the pores <laughs> and the minerals let him fly? For comedic purposes, for medical, comedic purposes, the latter. Yes. So if I actually read the story, the former. <laughs> yeah. okay. Imagine this story without narration. <laughs> Which, I mean, would that make it better or worse? Like, the, that, make more, that might make it The better. caveman it just make starts flying sure. unexpectedly and then gets hit by lightning. I mean, that's essentially what happens. Like, he just starts flying because of caveman rolls. He gets circulating because of caveman rolls. It feels like the artist just got drunk and then drew his comic, and the writer's desperately trying to fix it after, like, It's caveman rolls every time. I was just thinking about this, too. Like, this story could have almost completely worked if it was just a very strong caveman. Like, if... <laughs> People back then were just so strong that they could, like, jump really far like the Hulk, where he doesn't fly. He just jumps around. And then it, yeah. he has to add all these crazy things like lightning bolts and the fact that the pores, when he gets gas shot at him, absorbs it and shoots it back. It's like, <laughs> what the hell is <laughs> Like, the ice is, the ice is the real villain here. Like, the ice is, like, some kind of, like, yeah. it's, like um, extraterrestrial, like, life form. Yeah. So now the caveman is jumping around, smashing all the street lamps. Yeah, and Gotham City. <laughs> and Gotham City. And Batman gets a call from this, Commissioner Gordon. This is so good. What's that, Commissioner? A caveman sheathed in ice, flying over the city. We'll be there right away. I, I love Batman's authenticity. That he does. He's not like, are you, are you fucking serious? Like right now? Are you? What are you? Like, he's like, okay, I'll, we'll be there. Yes. It's, it's like a fire. It's a fire at the old fire, old, uh, Home Depot, or something like that. So I gotta go save it. How does Gordon not prank call him with more bullshit? <laughs> and even so, they they get there the the Batcopter, and Robin's like, "Yikes! Will you look at that animated ice cube? Like they are unfazed by this." <laughs> yeah, and it, he's just like hovering too. He's he's just floating around. Like so, Batman swings. It's now the cover of him like swinging to kick him, and he goes, "Brug." The Clag says this. Brug, you change clothes weird... again and hide face too, but Clag know you and batman the, the caption is the masked man manhunter slams into the crow magnum menace toppling him like a bowling pin and batman goes did that thing call me bruce does it know my secret identity <laughs> I, I like how they, they, they bring up this, this subplot quote unquote that has no effect on anything like that, that batman's afraid that this guy knows his secret and it like resolves itself because of course he doesn't it's a cape <laughs> <laughs> and if he does, what the fuck is the fucking name? I thought, like, I thought, like, I assume this is a better story than, than, than it actually was. I thought he's going to attack him as Bruce Wayne and call him. I was like, oh, you're the guy in the cape I fought. And, like, Bruce Wayne has to figure out. Like, he doesn't speak English, uh, Clag. Yeah, he, he does. No, no he doesn't. Like, no, because later does... they're like, he, he, they're like, he doesn't, he has to learn English because... Uh, okay, but I'm, again, I'm assuming this is a better written story than it was. Like, if this is like a, if you're having this premise of a caveman who knows Bruce Wayne's identity, you set up like that plays into it eventually later on. Like he attacks him as Bruce Wayne in like a public event and calls him out as Bruce Wayne. But no, it's just a random factoid. Hey, that... well, he don't, takes off his mask too. Don't disparage Gardner Fox. He created the Justice League. Well, <laughs> DC's bad. So, <laughs> wait, where does it say he doesn't speak English? It does later on. They say he has later to learn on, modern language. So I think when when Bruce Wayne, when Batman says, "Does that can call me Bruce?" He was yelling all this like ancient speak, and he heard the Brug, and that's it. You know? well, maybe he just fucked up. Maybe he just fucked up. And later on, to say later on as he's writing, yeah, that how, can he, how can he speak English? Decide... How can he speak English? There were like fifty thousand years. How can he around to get hit by lightning? How can he speak? How can you could question how he speaks English? That's yeah. the most crazy. It thing is because you know what? Cave minerals can make you fly. Cave minerals can teach you language. <laughs> He can read people's minds from across the fucking planet. He can read fucking people's minds. He was getting struck. He could command lightning. <laughs> he can speak the 
language of the universe and command we this I guess if we know where it, it gets too far for Phil it's language language is hard to learn <laughs> that was a big problem with Stanley just imagines like when Superman like figures out the alphabet like, this is bullshit yeah. I, I, this kind of sucks now uh, oh, oh man boy. so <laughs> fuck <laughs> so Batman, this is when Robin throws the gas to slow him down, and the ice absorbs the tear gas and then shoots it right in Robin's face. And this is a great panel, too, because Clag is turning around with a smug look. He knows this is going to happen. Like, he, he's like he's like a supervillain here. Like He's like so strong. I wish this was written in the Marvel method, where the artist did everything, and then there was like, here, writer, fill in the gas. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Gardner, like, Gardner Fox, like... Desperately trying to make sense of this plot after this <laughs> And then after this, Batman gets the brilliant idea to go over and he has to grab the club away from Clark, which is like, it's frozen. Like, it's a part of his armor. You should call him Clark. He's Clark. Clark. <laughs> you think of Brug Wayne and Clark Clint. <laughs> Clark. 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 implications. This, this is Batman fighting his aggressions against Superman. Yeah. Clark. Oh man! So so then Batman throws him off a building, <laughs> and he falls on the street. And Robin's like, "He's out cold." And Batman's like, "I've never fought anything like him." What before. is this? What is this idiom? We have that refugee from a refrigerator. Yeah, because he's cold. He's like, "Cover nice." Cover nice. I don't know. That's a little weird one. <laughs> and, it be, it's refugee. Should be refugee from a freezer. But he wants to make a litter. A litter. Yeah. So he says refugee from a refrigerator just, to make it right. So so Batman's like, I hope he's down because he might have some tricks he hasn't even thought of yet. And at this, at right at that moment, Clag starts levitating upwards <laughs> and knocks them both out with with, a, with his club. And then yeah. Robin gets smashes his head into a car, <laughs> and Batman is Batman gets defeated by the club. Another club by the club. Another gets beat by the club. Another great uh, thought process here. Brug, Bruce, am I Bruce Wayne, the target for his hate? <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets knocked out, and Clag pulls his cowl off, and he's like, "Where Brug? Clag, find him next time for sure." And then. Luckily, Robin is there to put the cow back on his face before the cops get there as Clag flies away to fight another Brug across big water. So, and then what happens is they're like, oh, we need to find out, like, how do we beat this deep freeze menace? So then they start looking for clues. And Batman says, we'll do a, like, as they're collecting stuff on the ground, Batman says, we'll do a better job in the Batcave. So gather every little clue you can, Robin. I was like, how patronizing is this? That they've done this dozens of times. And Batman's like, we gotta go back to the Batcave. It's like a dad telling you in the store, we'll unwrap this back home. It's like, yeah, I know, dad. Also, I love how Batman is so smart that he actually does figure out, wow, these minerals gave him powers. (laughs) So he realizes that all the people that have been attacked up to this point, the one one other guy, guy. looks a lot like Bruce Wayne. And And also, he has attacked Bruce Wayne, Batman, because he thinks he's Bruce Wayne. He attacks him because he just happened to be there and he's like, I guess you must be... uh, uh, No, but he was going to Gotham to look for Bruce Wayne. I know, but he was going to... Brug Wayne. He didn't like Batman wasn't like fighting the penguin and Clag showed up. Yeah. Batman no, had like, to find Clag. Yeah, like uh, uh, Clag was attacking random cars looking for Brug. No, he was just attacking random cars since they're animals to him. <laughs> I like this insinuation that Batman has a Cro-Magnon's face. <laughs> <laughs> Cro-Magnon are Homo sapiens, so it's like not that crazy. It's not like he's a Neanderthal or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they they get uh, a report that an ocean liner has sighted the caveman 
uh, being windswept over the Atlantic towards Spain. Batman's like, don't worry, we'll go, and I have plastic sealant with me. So there's a matador who looks just like Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Can you imagine that fucking report, by the way? Like, there's a caveman flying over the Atlantic towards Spain. <laughs> a frozen caveman, too. <laughs> So, Clag lands, and he starts going to fight this matador, but Batman and Robin show up to save the day. And he announces, remember, that man isn't interested in us, only in Altamonte, who looks so much like Bruce Wayne, I'll announce to everyone. <laughs> Why would he say that? He's saying it. I thought that was t- his top of it. So he says it out loud so everyone can hear it. Yeah. Well, they're in Spain. They don't speak English. Just like uh, Clyde. <laughs> yeah, he better hold that video footage to show up in America. So, so this is, get no a... smartphones. <laughs> no, there could be... TVs recording. They're recording. The... It's a fucking same event. It's a same event right now. So Batman's get... excuse is that he thinks about Bruce Wayne a lot. He's always on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a fantastic fight where Robin keeps distracting him and he breaks the club off while Batman just keeps like jumping behind him and spraying him with like this just smoke stuff that's the plastic sealant. Oh my god, and Clag summons down lightning too. I forgot about that. Does he? <laughs> Does he? Yeah, Does he? against Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he raises his club and lightning comes down at Batman. He's Thor. He just at once, though. Like he could have won very easily if he did that more than once. Well, maybe the uh, minerals only allow every. It's it's a once per day. Uh, so oh yeah, you're right. He drew day. down those lightnings to keep me away from him. Is, he really is like a fucking god. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, Clag's other ability is he can fire ice particles from his fingertips. Yeah, he only does it one time. And yeah, like, and Batman goes, "Oh, those things sting." <laughs> so Batman says Bat- it's not Robin saying a lie it's Batman <laughs> oh those things sting so this is one of my favorite parts where Batman finally seals all the pores which causes Clag to freeze rigid the- as the bullfight <laughs> spectators erupt with the resounding cheers Batman says we'll get him to a hospital and have that ice sheath which gives him his powers removed Robin says he'll revert to his normal self again and the crowd goes olay <laughs> <laughs> It's and my hope th- that our scientists will be able to study him, teach him our language, and learn Price's knowledge about the prehistoric world from which he came. And then Robin says, in that way, at least, his appearance in our time won't be all bad. The So two things. Th- that means in DC they had this caveman later on that they studied uh, about history by talking to this caveman who probably learned English eventually. Th- that's the thing. Second of all, this is still canon because Marvel, uh, DC refuses to let go of Batman's continuity. Like, Batman's the one character where everything that happened is canon in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. Because, uh, like, basically, whenever DC rebooted, they wanted to reboot the least successful books. So, but Batman was always successful throughout his entire run. So they always try to keep as much of it as canon as possible. So in Batman canon right now, this came and exists, and like scientists are studying it at this very <laughs> moment. Wait, when DC resets, they don't reset the whole universe? They do. No, I, that's one reason why I say it's stupid, and it's fucking How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you reset? It's always bad. It's always confusing. They, they try to explain. Grant Didn't Morrison tried to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> Phil? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah it resets the universe, but it's like my parents are still dead. I'm still mainly Batman. Like everything Clag resets. Still hunted brood. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think uh, uh, Ryan could correct me on this. I think uh, someone explained it as Batman being uh, really high. <laughs> so, so that's more for like the '50s stuff when it was like lots of aliens and Batmite and stuff, which is like an imp from another dimension that played pranks in the '50s. Mm-hmm. Where Grant Morrison said that because Batman got hit by so many like fear gas and poison ivy chemicals and. <laughs> Everything, that he was just hallucinate things sometimes. But Robin was here. 
But yeah, Robin's did entire time. That's Commissioner the Gordon thing. called him and said, "There's a flying caveman." Commissioner Gordon, he fucking. Who says There's so Gordon. many the witnesses. Thing, like, what usually happens? Okay, what usually oh. happens when DC reboots is they do soft reboots where they reset everything except usually Batman. Because think about like Batman has actually developed a lot over the decades. Like think like Robin grows up and becomes Nightwing. There's a new Robin. Like you know, like Ra's al Ghul has like you know like these master plans that take like decades that they don't want to reset Batman because then like you would de-age Nightwing who's like one of their most popular characters so they usually reset everything but Batman's just the same which and is they, weird they, they want to have the cake and eat it too they want to yeah. have the just like number one versus 500 thing they want to have the hot new number one while having the history of the, the, the number 500 later on even though it makes things confusing to have both mm-hmm. like uh, five issues apart yeah, from so like when they re- rebooted after Flashpoint you had like Action Comics number one, which was Superman getting to Metropolis for the first time in, like, his early days. You had Wonder Woman, which was a retelling of her origin. And then you had Batman number one, which had four Robins in it. <laughs> I, I do want to say, I, I, I like to imagine, like, Batman remembering these drug-fueled hazes he had to Robin and saying, Hey, Robin, remember the time we fought a caveman covered of ice that could fly and shoot lightning? And Robin's like, what the fuck? Well, that actually, in Morrison's run, there's a black case book, which is Batman's journals of all the fucking crazy bullshit, like the time he turned into, like, Rainbow Batman or, like, <laughs> went to other dimensions. And the Robin at the time, Tim Drake, finds it, and he's like, what the fuck was wrong with Batman? <laughs> I, I mean, I have to, I guess, put it, if I put it in context, and I'm like, is a caveman covered in ice flying across the Atlantic to Spain really crazier than the same guy and his his nephew getting struck by lightning chemicals in the same room? Is it crazier than uh, like a guy made of sand? I think like, I think it is stupider. I think yeah, because it it first of all, it doesn't serve a, a, a decent story. Like the story is like this could have been a caveman super straight as, as yeah. Daryl said. You didn't need the ice or the lightning powers at all. They made it more complicated like than it used to be. DC wanted DC wanted their own Thor. <laughs> I'm sure that was it. They, they fucking they succeeded. <laughs> I did look it up. This is Clag's only appearance. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> man, now I'm a little. We gotta bring it back. Grant Morrison, get on this. <laughs> this is one thing in the Silver Age you gotta bring back. Bring Clag back. Uh, I want to say. No wait, uh, bring Brug uh, back. That's what yeah. I'm really interested. Well, yeah, we never we never saw what happened to Brug. Oh, yeah. we did. He's OT the Iceman. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to say this is not the only caveman uh, superhero villain story. No, hold on. Before we leave, yeah, I feel on, like the, I just, those had to be really popular, right? Like, I just oh, want to ask you guys real quick before we get to that for this story. Obviously, it's stupid and dumb, but what did you think of Carmine Infantino's art for a Silver Age artist? Okay, it's better than Silver Age. I like it better than Superman story read by far. The, 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 the it's less cartoony. It's not like Fulnia Adams, but it's more, I don't, I don't know what they call it, very stiff, lifeless art of the 50s. Like, there's, there's more action poses yeah. and stuff going I, on. I like Infantino's Flash a lot more because he's the one who created Barry Allen. And I like his yeah. Flash art a lot more. It's a lot more dynamic. I think the speed helps that. But I, I always really like his Silver Age art because it, especially coming from, like, the late 50s Batman stuff, it's much more dynamic and, like, fun. And there's a lot of action in every panel, even when it's stupid, like a caveman flying around getting hit by lightning. There's very <laughs> few panels that are just, like, people standing there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like there's one panel where Robin swings on the caveman's arms and kicks him in the face. That feels like it could have been a Marvel from that era, very action oriented, yeah. uh, much more than something that DC was doing. At Definitely time. cool. Okay, yeah. so as you cool. were, Sly, I was just gonna say, uh, Stanley later on had a villain for the Hulk called the Missing Link, which is kind of what the story should have been. <laughs> like if they're going to do it, basically uh, the Missing Link survives because of uh, uh, he gets frozen in the ice because he gets, while he's frozen in the ice, 
nuclear testing happens nearby. <laughs> so when he gets defrozen, he's like this radioactive creature that anyone comes next to him. Uh, basically, he gets burned with radioactive uh, aura, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And I, th- I thought it was a cool villain because Hulk has to fight him. But while he's fighting him, Hulk is burning alive while he's fighting him. So it's actually like a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a much better story than this. I like this one. Oh, yeah. I, I like this idea better. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking earlier, after I like finished this, about how much of a better issue Superman being buried alive is from last month's bonus episode. And it's I was thinking about that because... This story is basically just Clag jumping around, having all these abilities, yes, summoning yeah. all this stuff. And the last story had a lot of plot threads and things happening, like, every page. Like, the, the, the entire plot resolves in the last page. Whereas here, it's like, there's really just Batman fighting this guy the entire that's time. Why, that's why I defended, like, uh, the the one where the, the JFK one and this and the Superman one more. Because, uh, like... It, uh, it's easy to just pure dumb, but as, if you read enough of it, you start noticing the nuances between good uh, Silver Age and bad Silver Age. Hmm. Uh, this is this has no arc. Like I yeah. said, if this was good Silver Age, Clag would think Bruce Wayne is Brug. <laughs> he'll meet him at he'll meet him at a, like a, a charity event, and Bruce Wayne will have to try to cover up the fact. It's like that you keep harping on this, you really want this. <laughs> is this your Clag fanfic? No, no, no but I'm saying like I'm, I'm just using this example like. If this had like the uh, events tied to each other and create twists, if it had twists, this has no twists. Yeah, really. yeah. You're gonna write the sequel to this, aren't you? <laughs> in defense of this story over Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen from last time, that one was three or four years later, and I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but in the mid '60s, that the difference between '64 and '68 is like huge in comic book like tone, I but guess. I've read I've read stories before this, and even those. Oh, I'm not have... saying this is like top of the line, <laughs> like for the time. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I just don't think it, it doesn't do any like it has no twists. It has no interesting uh... arc. Clegg himself doesn't have any peculiarities about him. Like before, with like yeah. Magna Man is actually a rebel that worked for yeah, a yeah. scientist. Like, like, that is a much better issue than this one. Yeah. Like even like even the first Joker story, like uh, uh, the first Joker story, what happens is the scene in Batman: The Dark Knight where uh, they're looking for Joker. Joker announces he's going to show up, and it turns out Joker is one of the cops. That's from the first Batman story. That that's like a setup twist. Like that yeah. was one of the first Joker stories. Like they've been doing these twists a long time, and this is just this is a purely bad story. It's good because it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dumb. definitely. But like it, in terms of like this is this is like the ultimate example we've had so far of why those previous stories were in the p- epitome of bad silver age. <laughs> yeah, I you know it's weird. Like I I get everything <laughs> you guys are saying and I I I logically like agree, but I didn't mind this as much as the Superman ones. But I might just be getting used to how shitty Silver Age well, comes. That are. also comes down to like with the Superman one, we were like, okay, they're bringing up the politics of this country and then doing nothing with them. Where yes. like that like this is this is unambitious completely. So it's like. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I appreciate the ambition of that. <laughs> Even though, especially, I will say, just the fact that those try to take a cover and try desperately to take that cover <laughs> and fit everything into the plot. The different country, yeah. the Superman statue, the Superman being underground, losing his powers, Jimmy Olsen announcing that he's going to come out of the ground. They managed to fit everything in like one issue, one page rather, of, 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 of content. Ryan, yeah. Ryan, I need help. What? what? What is this later in this issue? There is a man squatting down, and he is sending out his knees to, <laughs> to punch people in the face. I saw that face. too. Okay, so... Might as well do my daily calisthenics while I handle these monsters. He says, how's that for a kneesy capture? So, at the time, Detective Comics <laughs> had usually two features. 
One of which would be a Batman story, and the other one was usually an elongated man story. <laughs> what, a, what a name. What a name. Well, elongated man, for what it's worth, they wanted to create, DC wanted to create a character that was like the Golden Age hero Plastic Man, or like Reed Richards, but they didn't realize that they had already bought the rights to Plastic Man, so they made a new stretchy hero named Elongated Man. <laughs> and the thing that's fun about Elongated Man is he doesn't have a secret identity, and he just goes around and solves mysteries with his wife so their backup story is usually like five to ten pages of just like him making puns and solving mysteries while like on dates with his wife oh. and they're very like simple fun couple page stories that he are came just up like before yeah yeah we made fun of him before because i remember this snake head where every scene is just his <laughs> neck and his head like a snake man like being like i see this man doing this ah, yeah was it like a justice league episode or something no, that was Plastic Man. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Whatever. Alright, we're done with the podcast. But, yeah, so Elongated Man, like, it would just be, like, fun detective backups, and then eventually he was replaced when Barbara Gr- Gordon was introduced. That's where Batgirl was. She was a detective comics backup for a long time. Uh, yeah, that's one of the cool things about uh, these comics back then. Uh, detective Comics, uh, it might seem redundant to have Detective Comics and Batman, but what happened was you had Detective Comics, then as backups you have other characters show up and you could uh, sell those characters too, even if they didn't have enough uh, prestige to sell their own books. And that's how a lot of like uh, comics uh, sold. They will have the big seller at the front mm. and the backup story will be minor characters that weren't big enough to uh, sell book on their own, but like you get to build up these other characters in the meantime while you're selling Batman books. And also both Elongated Man and Barbara Gordon created by Carmine Infantino. Mm. So there you go. Great. Yeah. Thanks for the history. So, thank you everyone for giving us money. (laughs) I hope hope this is worth it. (laughs) I hope so too. (laughs) Yeah, really. Thank thank you. Think about your life choices. Think about your life choices. Uh, Think about a frozen caveman flying around with lightning zapping him. You wouldn't have got that if you didn't give us money. That's true. So, that's been it for our bonus episode. I've been Sly. I've been Ryan. I've been Phil. And I've been Daryl. Stay in, stay stay in podcasting. <laughs> stay in our bonus Patreon thing. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Please. <laughs> Welcome to the Vice of Issues bonus episode. And today we're going to be talking about something very different but very important to DC's comic history. Wait, very important? <laughs> yes. For why? some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, DC fucking loves gorillas. <laughs> Every single uh, DC superhero, I think, has gorilla enemies. Like... Flash is Gorilla Grodd. <laughs> Superman has Titano. Uh, There's the Ultra Humanite. Ultra Humanite and Superman 2. Isn't well, actually, there a Gorilla okay. Nation? Yeah. There's a Gorilla Nation. <laughs> so, and, and the Silver Age always has, every time they want to hype up a comic, they'll have like, here's a gorilla doing this crazy wacky thing. I don't know why. They fucking love gorillas at DC. It's a thing they did. Yes. So I want to touch upon this very important part of DC history <laughs> because it influenced so much of the Flash and Superman that they have to fight gorillas all the time because of this shit. And we're going to talk about Strange Adventures, an uh, uh, anthology series about strange gorilla shit, apparently. I have to tell you, this is like one of my favorite covers. <laughs> so, okay, before we get into it, I just want to say Strange Adventures, 75, from December 1956. Yes. And the it's written by Otto Binder and penciled by Carmen Infantino, who did the Caveman Batman issue last month. Hmm. Yeah, oh. very prolific writer. Uh, <laughs> so this cover has a gorilla... With a pistol in one hand and an open bag in another, pointing it at a woman who looks like she's at the library. And he's thinking, not talking, 
You will now put those books inside this valise. When I read these three novels, I can conquer the world. And the three books she's holding are Treasure Island, Robinson Crusoe, and Moby Dick. So, before we get to it, what did you guys think this plot was going to be? I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> the thing is, with those three novels, it's like the only things you know. It's like you're trying to think, how do you conquer the world? Like, I was trying to think. It's like, he's obviously going on a sea voyage or something? <laughs> I, I figured it was something like... Uh, I, 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 I won't say it because uh, I, I basically guessed what it was, but look okay. into it. Oh, look at Genius Lie over yeah, here. Yeah, he can look at gorillas with guns and know what they're thinking. <laughs> uh, so this starts out with... The story secret of the man-ape. <laughs> Stupid oh, <God>. story. <laughs> it starts out with the first page with a gorilla in a cage and a guy pointing a big laser gun at him. Yeah. And the, he's saying, if my machine works, I'll be able to transform this gorilla into a human. And the gorilla's thinking, it better work or my plan to conquer the earth will fail. <laughs> and like the previous conversation, this is in media res. It's, it's, it's a flash forward. Yeah, yeah, so then we get to the actual beginning where um, these humans... <laughs> So human like human like people on no, another no, no, planet. No, 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 no. First, it starts with humans oh, wow. saying the light from that bright star took one hundred thousand years to cross space to our eyes. For all we know, the star may have exploded and no longer exists. Yeah, just what scientists always say. Yeah, the star. It, the light from that star took one hundred thousand years to cross space to our eyes. Yeah, and then then it cuts to the aliens. Coincidentally. Which which are looking on that star. They're looking through their own telescope at Earth, and they say, that star is like, took ages to reach our eyes. If it still exists, we must conquer the third planet outward from the sun. And they realize it's like, oh, there's gorilla people on that planet right now, 100,000 years ago, and they say they must still be ruling it right now. So now they're not just gorilla people. They are looking at this scene of Earth where there are gorillas wearing pants and shirts and going into buildings. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I actually, uh, when I was reading this earlier, Chrissy was asking me about Oh, there's it. historical precedent. 100,000 years ago, there were gorilla people in, in buildings. And I was saying, like, oh, like, I was giving her this rundown. I'm like, yeah, they saw Earth 100,000 years ago and there were gorilla people. And she's like, oh, like, uh, like evolution? And I'm like, no, like, they're wearing pants. Like, they're going <laughs> inside buildings. They are literally just humans, but they are gorillas instead. And... Oh, yeah, they have to clarify it's not evolution. Like, these are, this is what many evolved from. She thought, like, they saw, like, oh, gorillas, and, uh, you know, and then she's, by the time they got here, we had evolved or something. But I just, I just, I just find it funny that humans first got the technology, then they evolved into humans, uh, humans beings afterwards. Like, there were gorillas first, then they became human beings afterwards, after the technology I, th- I think, <laughs> weren't, weren't the gorillas, like, another different branch, like... <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like they, they were like uh, like you know like Star Wars like in the galaxy far far away before our current era like even was a thought. Yeah. So but this crazy. is right here though. It's not. Full. Yeah. But like, it's supposed to be some idea like uh, Earth is kind of like on a cycle where things re- repeat. But so now do you yeah, think do you think that we built our technology off of what the gorillas had created or was there an extinction event? <laughs> no, <laughs> then we had there to had reboot. to be an extinction event because we have no records of this. But what what but what like what happened like not even one like uh, building or anything survived like n- not there's no Maybe it's one of those things this. where they developed so fast technologically, where they had such crazy technologies that they were able to erase themselves from time. And or maybe <laughs> that must maybe be this it. can with DC, and this is the real silly from the modern era. What? Uh, oh probably not. It's probably not that so uh, before they head out to go conquer Earth, uh, the humans on this other planet are like, let's transform you into a gorilla so that when you get there, you'll fit in. Yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, they said the planet might already be exploded, but we can also make the assumption that it is exactly the same. (laughs) Also, these guys have a vehicle that takes days just to get there. It's like, why not just do a scouting run? Why do you have to (laughs) go? Well, that's what he is. He's going to scout. 
Yeah, no, but like I, I was thinking, scouting without landing on, because he tries to go and scout there, and the guy that gets turned into a gorilla, and instead no, he just they, crashes. They, they miscalculate, I think. No, like, it is very easy to make spaceships. It's very hard to make cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so these are so advanced that he flies the ship and it crashes on Earth, and his ultra cushions save his life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so he lands in uh, the the jungle in Africa, and. He's like, oh, all these other gorillas are here too, but like, I guess the gorilla civilization died out because these guys are wild gorillas. Yeah. I mean, I saw the feed. I could tell these gorillas are dumb. I like. Yeah. He says too, like, oh, humans rule now, which is, I guess, there were humans around back then. They're humans. Well, they're the humans like, that became gorillas. So they can fill in the gorilla world, but plot twist that humans took over. Why pick a hundred thousand years? Like that's not that long ago. Like there were humans. Like so, it's very weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this is the most sound, accurate. <laughs> Science or history, guys. So then these hunters show up and just exposit loudly nearby the gorilla. We were commissioned by Professor Amos Scott to capture a gorilla. He wants to turn gorillas into humans. And then the... the... But more than that, what a huge coincidence. Like, this guy's like, I need, I need to become a human to, uh, human to take over the world. And these guys are like, we got to find the gorilla to turn into a human. What a coincidence. How about this? The fact that for this mission... He turned into a, irreversibly into a gorilla. <laughs> like, wouldn't yeah. you be like, I, if I if we have a device to transform me, I'll bring it or something. Holograms don't exist on this other planet. Whatever. Maybe there weren't ultra cushions around it. So yeah, like we said, there's this guy who happens to be developing a beam to turn gorillas into humans, whatever that means or entails. Yeah. And so he gets turned into, <laughs> into a human. <laughs> into a human. And then the professor's like, well, his brain's not different, so I'll turn it back. Yeah, so was he trying to beam gorillas into humans that are, like, human brains, I too, I guess? No, yeah. what is happening? Like, I w- he tried to fully turn a gorilla into human, but the brain is not human yet. I was trying to think, too. It's just, like, I can't imagine what would be, like, this professor trying to get a scholarship where he's just like, I just want to make guns that turn gorillas into people. <laughs> yeah, I need a grant. Like, this is it's a cannon. Grand. It's like a laser cannon. Uh, so, then, great scene here where... He, there's a guy peeping him from the window, and the he's professor. like, that guy's peeping me again. No, yeah, and he, before that, he goes to t- he turns him back into human. He goes, this experiment's too dangerous for me to continue on my own. I'll change him back, dismantle my machine, then <laughs> turn my plans over to the science society for further study. So this guy's a scientist that can invent a beam that turns gorillas into humans, but not, like, credible enough to finish <laughs> this experiment? <laughs> Or, like, he, and he gives up after, like, one try. Yeah. <laughs> one successful try. And, and, and we, should, we should clarify. When we say this guy's looking outside his window, we're making it sound more subtle than it actually is. Like, basically, like, if you look outside your window and some guy was just standing outside and you just <laughs> saw him. He's staring and, at him. And he's, like, and the professor, while watching this guy stare at him through his window, is, like, ah, oh, I fired him because I never trusted that guy. I wonder if he's scheming. <laughs> uh, so, instead, I know what I'll do. I will put my plans for this gun inside my nephew's library book. As this guy's staring at him, the guy's not going to notice him hiding the books. And I will <laughs> pretend to return them to the library. So even if he searches me, he won't find them. <laughs> We're so many layers deep into the weird reasoning of this dumb comic. And, and then yeah. the gorilla alien is watching and he's like, I got I to gotta get those library books. And so the okay, here's another running. thing about DC gorillas. They all have super strength. The writers of DC think that gorillas can, like, do anything they want. (laughs) Escape any cages. Escape a cage designed to hold a gorilla. (laughs) Uh, So you're like, where is this going? Because eventually the gorilla has to get to the library and point a gun at a woman. So this is is great. This is when it it amps up. 
the professor's like, I gotta get out of here. This guy's chasing me. And he runs into the street and gets hit by a truck. He's, he's not being chased. He's just looking anxiously while he's walking slowly across the street. And then the, the guy who was actually creeping on him is like, aha, he's dead. But I don't find his uh, plans. It's just three books. Some random guy's like, I guess I'll return these books. There's a dead body on the ground. Run over by a car. He doesn't call police or anything. He just picks up the books. I guess I gotta return these books. Yeah. And then the gorilla rips open the bars and he's like, then he goes to the library and yeah. he doesn't he doesn't fucking have a gun. So this was, this this like upset me so much. I'm like, you lied to me. Like the he doesn't have a gun or a he library card. And he's, he's also talking. Books. And yeah, he doesn't think it. Well he does actually think it because oh. uh, no, the librarian yeah, like, psychically transmits it to her because she's like, It's yeah. his thoughts I'm hearing. Yeah, and he says to her, Hurry, give me those three books that were just returned. And then he has This is the does. best part. This is the best he, part of the whole issue. He has a big smiley yeah. face on his face. And he's like, now I'll be able to regain my human shape and complete my spying mission. <laughs> and then he crashes his car and dies. No. But before it happens, it turns out the guy that was chasing the professor was a good guy who thought the professor was a madman. Humans yeah, what a twist that they were both like, and it's funny too because he thought the professor was a madman doing evil things. And he's like, I need to reveal these plans to the science society. They were both going <laughs> to the same place with their plans. And what I love about this ending so much is the gorilla goes to get into the car because he's like, I can't wander around the city in a gorilla form. I'll be hunted down. So he he gets in the car to drive away, and the guy's like, the guy that was telling the professor's like, I better follow him. And it says, speeding outside the city, unfamiliar with earthly cars and roads, the man ape meets disaster on a dangerous curve. It goes, and it just goes, lost, lost control. control. <laughs> yeah, and he just drives <laughs> off a cliff. And so this guy that was spying on the professor did he nothing. Says, What's that gorilla doing with Scott's books? I better follow him and not think about how weird this is. <laughs> but he does nothing. The plot resolves itself just like naturally because a gorilla can't drive. <laughs> and, and, and and this feels like like it feels like uh you just had to hit that that point in the story where the gorilla gets the books and has to take over the world because after he got that he just wants to end the end the book as no, fast as possible. No, he's become this futuristic society has become too dependent on their ultra cushions. Yeah. This is a warning that when you're too comfortable, only disasters. He strikes. probably thought his car was going to drive itself, I and mean, he just it ah, went, see, no, or it he work. thought there were ultra cushions in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe they had to they had running out of pages and they had to fucking have it end somehow. <laughs> I was so like, I was honestly sense of adventure. I was very angry that this this opening scene didn't happen. Like like <laughs> the I the fact that he would get a gun and rob someone <laughs> for is books. not for books didn't ever actually happen. He just went to the librarian and was like, hey, can I have those? And she's like, I guess I'll give it to this gorilla. Yeah, you <laughs> see, we compared it to that fucking uh, Jimmy Olsen comic where they got every detail I like, cover right. This one <laughs> fucked up completely. Yeah, like, this is probably 0 out of 10. This is probably my favorite book we've ever read on the show. I like it for the guy that returns to the library book like a dutiful servant of the public. <laughs> And that the gorilla crashes the car. <laughs> yeah. And the, the assistant is just like, the gorilla and the plans going up in flames. But where did that intelligent piece come from? What was he planning to do? The world will never know. And it's just <laughs> the, the end. end. And yeah. you see the, him, the burning wreckage. He doesn't go and try to save him. The thing yeah. about this, too, is it's like, it's because these issues used to have multiple stories in them. You, I couldn't tell how long it was because maybe it's yeah. five pages, maybe it's ten pages. So when he drives off the tr- car, I'm like, <laughs> how is this going to resolve? And then it's over. And I'm like, yeah, what? Dead. That's what I mean. I feel like they ran out of pages. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a great way to resolve any plot you're tired of. You're like, they die. <laughs> yeah. So now, just like, just like us, you're thinking the story's over already, but mm-hmm. no. 
Sly was like, he called this the sequel story. Well, it's kind of, but yes. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a Yeah, because stupid goddamn slide said it was a sequel. So the entire time I was thinking, it's like, did that gorilla escape? Like, what does this have to do? <laughs> so we are now jumping three years in the future to January 1959. Strange Adventures Volume three 100. Years. It was so long in the making. I saw both covers first that I thought this cover of him in the courtroom was his arrest after robbing the library. <laughs> yeah. So it's John Broom writing and Carmen Infantino, the creative team that created Barry Allen, and they are shaping, shaking up the industry yet again. So you see, uh, I, told, I told you gorillas are so poor. Yeah, don't you mean the, the creative team that created Gorilla Grodd, not Barry Allen? <laughs> you are so, correct. So on the cover of it, it's a gorilla in a courtroom, and there's a juror reading a thing that yeah. says, we, the jury, find the defendant guilty, and the gorilla's shouting at him, I'm innocent! I tell you, innocent! And the title is featuring the amazing trial of John Prentice's Gorilla Doe. Now, I just want to say, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. And we are recording this at the beginning of the month in the middle of day three of the Paul Manafort trial. And I was into it. I was like, I'm ready to read about this gorilla getting thrown in jail. I seriously was like, how did he get caught in that first one and end up here? But... No, it's a more subtle sequel. You guys have not met. It's a spiritual successor. Yeah. yeah. This shows what happens to on the other planet. It's a it's a spiritual <laughs> simian successor. And they have another great first page that is just in Midius Race where they're like, yeah. uh, it's the criminal gorilla. Or, or is it to shoot on sight? And then the gorilla's walking through the police precinct. <laughs> and he's like, no, don't shoot. I've come to give myself up. And you're like, yeah. how does it get here? <laughs> yep. Yeah, so op- it opens with a traveling sideshow. And one guy's like, hey, Bill, did you buy another gorilla? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And they got another gorilla in their gorilla cage. And it's like, where the fuck does this gorilla come from? Yeah. And that gorilla has superhuman strength, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so he rips open the bars and just walks away. Uh, yeah. All gorillas have superhuman strength, right? But the thing is, he has super gorilla strength, too. You're right, you're right. <laughs> and so it goes, I guess on news later, it was on news that morning. Uh, gorilla <laughs> and R has killed in two bars. Uh, so... Uh, on the news, um, uh, the guy's like, and no one knows where the gorilla went or where it came from. It just disappeared. And Hel- helicopters are now scanning the area looking for the gorilla. And the gorilla I sh- love the I love the peeping pages always. When someone's peeping <laughs> in a window, it's so awkward. Yeah. yeah so uh, the, the the gorilla, uh, this is school as a school scene, and the t- kid's like, the teacher, look. And the gorilla's just peeping into the window, like, hey guys. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, the gorilla's uh, the gorilla from the, from the zoo. Go away. Maybe it won't bother us. And the gorilla just starts stealing their ABC readers. And he yes. goes, Gabru. <laughs> <laughs> And the police are like, he just took one ABC reader book and left? Like, what the fuck? And then the next day in a nearby town, he goes into a record shop and takes uh, phonograph records? Yeah. yeah. And then the book? Then the phonograph records? Sure wish I could figure out what this is all about, says the cop. Yeah, and then the day after, he goes to a heavily guarded atomic laboratory and steals <laughs> piles of radium. Which I love. First, this- he takes a guard. First, he knocks, takes a guard and knocks him out, takes his gun and breaks in half. Yeah, and goes, Gabruda! Yeah. <laughs> So what I love is, like, with the, the previous story, it sets up where he has a book about letters, he has photographic records, and he has vials of radium. And you're like, how, what is this gorilla's master plan? Yeah. And the, 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 and the, the have a scientist pondering this, like, radium, what is this all leading up to? What is the secret? Mm-hmm. God damn it, man. They're, like, uh, very serious about it. Yeah, like, you wouldn't be serious if a gorilla was stealing <laughs> radium. From I know, but it's, it's, like, very, like... 50s B movie like science. I don't know. Yeah. God damn I don't it, think, son. I don't think I'd be serious if gorillas were stealing radium. 
<laughs> and, and, and newspapers say, radium stealing gorilla still loose. Police pu- puzzled by strange gorilla deaths. And the, and the police are like uh, confused because the gorilla is disappearing without a trace. And finally the gorilla just shows up and say, don't shoot, I've come to get myself up. And they're like, oh, a talking gorilla. <laughs> he says, like, I'm ready to stand trial. Yeah, and on the news they're saying, and incredible as it may, may seem, the talking gorilla we put on trial in regular court. The law has decided is intelligent and consequently morally responsible for its acts. <laughs> and then just like Phil on our podcast, an editor's note comes down from the heavens and says, Amendment 6 of the United States Constitution reads that the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. It does not refer to the accused as a person. <laughs> I wonder if constitutional scholars would agree. <laughs> Does it say person? There's, yeah, it could this be a this is, the, this is the Airbud precedent. There's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can play basketball. I like this idea that if we send foreigners, we can send them to like Gitmo and torture them. But like a talking girl, it's like, well, he was born here. <laughs> By the way, uh, this, this is another lying cover because on the cover, the jury finds the girl guilty. But here. The prosecutor says, I demand the jury find the defendant guilty. And yeah. then the girl says, but I'm innocent. I tell you, innocent. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, let me, Your Honor, let me tell my story. It's all I ask. And so he starts playing. The, yeah, the, the, the judge is like, I guess you can argue your own defense. You're, yeah. you, know, you have rights just like the rest of us. <laughs> and he says, yeah, yeah, he says, I have to be put on trial. It's the only way to uh, get my word out. Because, you know, in real life, TV cameras are allowed in courtrooms. That's the thing that happens. <laughs> So he says, one day in the jungle, I saw what I thought was a strange bird fly down from the sky. And it's like, it's the same exact spaceship from the other story again. <laughs> no, that one was blue. This one's red. <laughs> this guy is a regular gorilla, by the way. Yes, yeah. this is a regular gorilla. So this is a regular gorilla. And what's confusding is the spaceship lands down, people get out, and it's gorillas. But they're like <laughs> alien gorillas. But, they but look they're like, like so gorillas. similar. Like, yeah. They're wearing so... spacesuits. They're wearing spacesuits. Yeah, so he he hops aboard their spaceship while they're looking around. And so the gorilla is like, "What are you? What is this?" Ooh, ooh. Yeah. He's like, "Shiny, shiny thing! What can be inside it?" Yeah, because the gorilla is just a dumb gorilla at the moment. They fly away, and the gorillas are like, "Look!" Or the alien gorillas are like, "Look, a stowaway! It's a young primitive. Uh, one of our kind must be on that planet. It's come aboard." And they take him back, and they want to educate him, which is weird because. They're, they're literally the same race. They give him these food pellets that make him grow faster, so I guess it, like, makes his brain bigger. Yeah. But it's, it's weird because he just looks like that. He, can he be an actual <laughs> is, gorilla? Are they equals? <laughs> or is there going to be, like, gorilla racism where they're like, you're from Earth. You're an yeah, Earth Yeah, these gorillas are very open-minded. They, they're like human beings, but they're very open to primitive gorillas. <laughs> I do yeah. really like that one of the gorillas has tiny spectacles. <laughs> it's yeah. cute. It's the and, like, he, he apparently, like... For, for a regular gorilla, learns their language pretty quickly once they give well, they're him they're giving him food concentrated food pellets. And yeah. special scientific methods of their own, they increase my brain power. You know, Phil, it's like when we used to go out and eat a lot, we got smart. Yeah, brain yeah. pellets. <laughs> and so at, he overhears that they're go, the, these alien gorillas are going to try and invade Earth. And he's like, an invasion of my native world? Not on my planet. He's a reverse Superman. He's like, these people are so nice, but I'm much more attached to the world of my birth. Yeah, I feel close to these gorillas. They are gorillas, like I am. Still, more, I feel attached to the world of my birth. I must save the Earth. And he, they taught him how to fly a plane, which just seems like a dumb thing on their part. <laughs> I don't think they were viewing him as a captive. Like, they, they like, really just took, like, adopted him. I, I guess it's just like us. We, we, thought, we think Superman's our friend, but reality is going to be trained one back. day, too. Yeah. So he takes, he takes, the, we should mention the planet's name is Agamoron. So he takes <laughs> the Agamoron ship and flies it down to Earth. And he's like, I can speak Agamoron, but not human languages. I must learn to talk. If I can get to where words are spoken, where many people are, I can learn by listening. So apparently, 
when he got to that cage in the beginning, he bent the bars and pe- bent them perfectly back. And Yeah, I don't care why he was in that cage. <laughs> no, he says he went to the sideshow to listen to people first. Yeah, and then he like, went and learned the language from the book. And then why did he need the phonograph record? To hear how it sounds, probably. But don't you just listen to people? That's why it was at the sideshow, right? Yeah, the, why was he getting the books and the, the phonograph? Like, he could have seen a lot of problems if he just stuck at a sideshow and said, hey guys, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here to Well, he needs to learn how to read because he reveals that he needs to build a gun with the radium to shoot down the Agmoran uh, spaceship. Oh, yeah. Because he learned, he learned the Agmoran weapon systems while there. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, in one page, you're like, as well, he makes the gun, shoots down the aliens. <laughs> And um, also they find him not guilty and direct yeah. that he be freed at once to carry out his plan to defend Earth. <laughs> the jury has this power. <laughs> and it turns out that um, uh, the doctors uh, uh, inspect the grill and say, okay, this say, is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is so amazing. He has radiant poisoning, apparently a non-contagious type, and he can only live six months at most. Yeah. And uh, they say, and the I love general this general. You gave your life to save the earth. We humans are grateful. <laughs> and then he goes, six months more to live. General, I have one last request. <laughs> and after, and the narrator says, after a special plane has debarked, John Gorilla Doe is in the heart of Africa. And the Gorilla John Doe, John Doe Gorilla, sorry. Uh, John Gorilla Doe, God damn it, I gotta be respectful to the savior of earth. <laughs> I was born here, and here I'll spend my last days on this earth that I helped save. Not only for the humans, but also for my own race, the gorillas. The end. Wow, he loved gorillas to the end of his days. You know what? He if like I wish he was he... racist. He hated the <laughs> he smart racist. gorillas more than his own dumb gorillas. Yeah, he should have uh, honestly like helped uplift his like the Earth gorillas. Like, he, would he want to come to a planet where humans go and shoot gorillas and stuff and take their land? Like, uh, I would have. This this was yeah. written by probably white people. There, Phil. This yeah, was written by gorillas. colonists. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So this is this is like filtered through a colonist lens of like I'm grateful I saved my own people. Yeah, we should, we should get a gorilla to rewrite the story. In this <laughs> <laughs> My people's natural state is beneath humans. This was oh. 1959. You know, India was barely free from British rule. <laughs> yeah, gorillas didn't have rights yet. But, like, this resolution, this resolution of him going into the woods, he doesn't have to be dying. He could just say, I want to go back no, to live does, with my people. It, it makes it just, like, such a tragic loss. It's a Pyrrhic victory. It wasn't worth it. And like they, it would like if they had the super small gorilla running around in the woods forever in the jungle, like that would fuck up DC lore, you know? <laughs> yeah, because that that would be so unlike. DC. They literally have a city of gorillas, of super smart gorillas. <laughs> oh yeah, how does he not know? Maybe about he found it. I'd like it. to imagine that he found the gorilla <laughs> yeah. city, they cured him, and now he's living there right now. He's a happy. Ending. Oh yeah, he, with his new te- Agmoran technology, yeah. he was able to save. Himself. Oh my god, get out of here. When did I say this came out? January 1959? Yeah. Gorilla Grodd and Gorilla City shows up in May of 1959. He, oh my god. He is the founder. <laughs> he created He cured himself. He probably so smart. He cured himself and created the Gorilla City. This is canon. This is Savitar. <laughs> Not Savitar. Solovar? Yeah. Solovar, the good gorilla. What? It could yes. be. What? So, yeah. Be. So, this is canon now. And it's also canon that there's a plan. If, uh, now, I imagine that... The evil plan that was trying to take over Earth, they confused their uh, uh, scout gorilla as... They found a scout gorilla that died, and they, they confused him as in the current uh, status quo. So they all became gorillas on their planet, too. <laughs> and they came down to take over Earth. I think he was gorillas again. That's why well, well, then why do, why do these people refer to the, the Earth gorilla as one of our kind? 
Is it because, wait, is it because they were gorillas for so long that they lost who they were originally? Like, they, they're like, revisionist history, we've always been gorillas on this alien yes, planet. Yes, question. Okay. Uh, what happened to the gorilla Agmorans who got shot down? Well, one of them gets shot down, and then the no, other ones an, turn they away. Say, they say another of our ships shot down. We oh. must flee while we can. They probably like, burn guys... up on re-entry. Oh, yeah, yeah they, probably. They, they probably got rid of their ultra-soft cushions. <laughs> Yeah. foolishly uh, ultra cushions <laughs> it was it was deregulated so they're like we don't need ultra soft cushions goddamn capitalism <laughs> i mean our spaceships are space cars that's all a spaceship is is a space car yeah exactly you just start the engine and you just start driving your space car yeah wow. i want to look up one more thing before i say goodbye to our lovely patreon but first we gotta say what you guys think of these issues <laughs> <laughs> How do they rank among the other stories we've read? How do they rank amongst each other? Better than thoughts? better than the Jimmy Olsen ones. I hate Jimmy Olsen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about the Caveman one. I think I like this better than the Cave. I think these are my favorite. You might be my favorite too. I still love that. That Superman story had just so many twists and turns. These were close. I feel like if these had been longer and kept up the amount of twists and turns and like the the stacking of plots that you're trying to keep track of, of like this gorilla with its mission to dominate Earth, but he needs to be human along with the, the scientist that was being spied on by someone that's secretly good. Like had it kept up that for like 20 pages, I would have been super Or interested. if he had brought a gun to the library, it was really my favorite. But <laughs> yeah. Since he didn't. Yeah. Or if the jury actually declare him guilty, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fuck up all the details of this fucking story. Okay, Ryan, what are your thoughts? So I think it's great. I'm a big fan. No, rank it, rank. You have to rank it, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, uh, Caveman's still my favorite. Okay, I would put these above the Jimmy Olsen one. Yes, and Man of Steel's at the bottom. <laughs> man, how, how can you be so rude to Magna Man? <laughs> he gave his life trying to do a magic trick. He tried to do an honorary coup against the totalitarian government. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he suffocated. So dressed up as Superman. I'm introducing a new segment to these Patreon episodes where, when we take a Silver Age issue, I want to look at how much it costs on eBay to get this issue. Okay. So, the cheapest for Strange Adventures 100, the trial one. Is there is a bid for a little over twenty dollars, but the cheapest buy it now is drum roll thirty five dollars. Midnight, and I gotta get to the local library Under the street light Up ahead looks like a chimpanzee I clutch my books But he is holding in his hand a pistol I start to freeze As eight man looks me in between my eyes I'm paralyzed he wants my dick, my Moby dick. $35 to get this beautiful issue. Now, the Strange Adventure 75. That must be much better. 75. <laughs> the the monkey try at the library with the gun. There is only one person selling this issue on eBay. <laughs> and it is for $60. And it is a very beat up 3.5 <laughs> copy out of 10. <laughs> wow. So these are some valuable books. Yeah. 
So if you if you donate more money to us, we'll buy them <laughs> and we'll uh, you know hang them up somewhere. Oh my God, I can't. Yeah, we'll hang it. them up in the Device Issues Museum. That's what we're spending the money on. <laughs> Silver Age garbage comics. <laughs> you watch your mouth. So okay. Maybe we should buy them and burn them so that we don't, like, we're ridding the planet of this plague of silver. Like the, oh. like Shaq Fu? Yeah. You pay us to waste our money to burn media. <laughs> so as always, thank you, backers. This is, you, you're, I mean, we didn't buy these, <laughs> full transparency. But yeah. maybe one day we will, and it'll um, be beautiful. No. If you guys have any recommendations for Silver Age stuff, again, since you're the patrons, patrons, <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, feel free to recommend, and we'll probably do them. Because we're kind of picking these, like, seemingly at complete random. <laughs> we're picking them based on the cover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, other ideas, too, we're always open to. Like, you know, like, the Man of Steel one was something Daryl and I wanted to do for a long time. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. We're definitely open for it. So, yeah, let us know. Anything else, guys? No, I'm good. No, that's it. Thank you again. Uh, hopefully, yes, thank you all. Hopefully, next time uh, we'll do more Jimmy Olsen said gorillas. I, I'm re- I'm ready for my next Jimmy Olsen story. Hopefully, we never read another comic that doesn't feature a gorilla as <laughs> a main character. We could do that. That could be a camera because there's, there's enough DC stuff. For... Yeah, a gorilla, gorilla Grodd's my new favorite. We movie. could do the uh, JLA spinoff book, JL Ape. <laughs> Is that a thing? That's a real thing. Yes, which is different from the other crossover. DC goes ape. (laughs) Oh, we talked about this in the past, like Spider Ham and stuff too, right? (laughs) Yes. I say thank you all for listening to our bonus episode. I've been Sly. I've been Ryan. I've been Phil. I've been Daryl. Goodbye. Goodbye. That's so sad. Think on Nudie. Yeah, there you go. Hello and welcome. To the Divisive Issues Patreon Spectacular. It's our bonus episode for May. May. Our first May. Reco- April. Uh, April. Yeah, April. I was like, what? <laughs> no, it's May what now. What year is it? <laughs> April. Well, we do these in advance, so whatever. Not, um, <laughs> so that's why I think it's farther away. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is our first kind of sort of request. We're a bunch of sexy bigots, uh, always doing Jimmy Olsen. The, you the said sexy time. bigots, right? Yeah. Sexy biggest. We're, we're Sexy sec- big boys, right? We're, we're about to show this pigs. Always talk about the male Jimmy Olsen. Now we're going to talk about Lois Slane. Yeah, so thank you, John, our beloved Patreon backer, who suggested that instead of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, why don't we talk about some Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane? Girlfriend, yeah, and- like, spaced, because they're not actually dating in any of this. And a lot of this is about Lois wanting to jump Superman's bones. Yeah, I was yeah. confused why they call him why they call her Superman's girlfriend. I'm like, he just flies away and she's like, "Please love me." Like <laughs> yeah. that's that's not what a, what it looks yeah, like. It's like, you know when you're, you know when you're like 13 and you like have a friend that's a girl and your parents are like, "Oh, is that is that your girlfriend?" And you're like, "No, it's my friend who's a girl." That's what that's what <laughs> Ryan speaking from experience here. <laughs> uh, two points. So one uh, Lois Lane uh, is, is technically a girl, uh, uh, girl space friend. So she's a girl yes. that happens to be a friend. Wait, she's a space friend? I thought she was an Earthling. Uh, <laughs> and two, she's as much his girlfriend as Jimmy Olsen is, is Superman's pal. <laughs> mean, I thought you were going to say fair. Superman's boyfriend. <laughs> Which but, is also true. So yes. uh, we were uh, we were kind of doing this last minute because we're, we're so efficient and uh, good at our jobs. Uh, and we kind of had a little mix-up. So in the process, we ended up doing kind of three-ish uh, issues. Uh, one <laughs> su- super mediocre, 
one uh, that issues are stories. One super mediocre. Is, now, is that one of Superman's Silver Age powers? Super mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one mediocre, one average, one one kind of standard for Lois Lane story, and one that's just completely incompetent. Um, we did issue thirteen. Uh, of Superman's Lo- girlfriend, Lois Lane, number yeah. thirteen. What is this? Nineteen sixty something. Nineteen fifty nine. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, so this is like uh, not even this. Uh, well, I guess this is Silver Age, but like yeah, Silver early. Age. Technically, DC starts in 1955 with uh, Barry Allen's first appearance, Sylvester. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for showing uh, me up. Te- technically, uh, this is the Silver Age. Uh, <laughs> I thought the gorillas were the sign of Silver Age. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think the gorillas go away. Didn't we read one event where there was like gorilla po- like country or something? Uh, Flash R- R- right, yeah. R- Ryan, you fucking read Graham Morrison. You can't say gorillas run away. So <laughs> I didn't say anything about gorillas. Yeah, no okay. one <laughs> okay. The gorillas are, are constant throughout DC. That's, sorry. I just want to clarify. That is never going away. We clarify. should cover the DC uh, Justice League story, JL Ape. <laughs> oh, yeah, JL Ape. That's actually a fucking comic from 2000. <laughs> uh, so the cover of this of the University Teen shows, Lois Lane has her head. And that's like a titanium box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's lead. Lead, lead. <laughs> that's yes. the point. <laughs> it's lined with lead. It looks like titanium. It's so Superman doesn't see her face. And uh, I picked this because I thought the cover was weird. But it's exactly what you would think it is based on the cover. She's wearing a box to hide her face because she's ugly. She thinks she's ugly. <laughs> and that, that's, the, that's the, the twist. She thinks she's it's, ugly. It's not just it that she thinks she's ugly. Because I thought that's what that was going to be too. It's that she thinks she has the face of a cat. <laughs> yeah, because okay, so this is this is this is, this is only not know everything about it. Uh, the fact what? that everyone's a dick to Lois because everyone's like, Lois, your curiosity is like a cat. You're gonna, gonna get the better of you one day, and uh, everyone, even like her boss, and like while she's like going after like uh, criminal syndicates and stuff and like tackling them, she like uh, get into accidents trying to stop like these criminal syndicates, like all these serious issues, and she she get into trouble. And uh, Perry White, her boss, remains like, oh, you you don't know what's good for you. You should stay in the kitchen, basically. And uh, basically, the moral of the story is that Lois Lane, uh, one one of the people that she gets curious about, uh, hypnotizes her, makes her think she has a cat face. <laughs> and the moral of the story is that Lois Lane should learn to stay home and, and sit in the kitchen, basically. <laughs> Stop being a reporter. So now, the reason why we didn't, why we're not covering that issue is because it's not the first... Well, we are covering the issue, but we're not covering that story because it's not the first story of the issue. And some of us... Uh, myself included, read the first story and then we're like, that's what we're doing and didn't read the one that had anything to do with this cover. Yeah, I literally I, I, like, until we talked about it afterwards and you're like, wait, was that the box head one? I was like, oh yeah, her head never was in a box. <laughs> so we're still actually doing a very uh, I didn't know about this. This is actually important for continuity. It's the first appearance of Lois Lane's dad in comic books uh, and his Ooh. name... Wait, her mom appeared before this? I don't, I don't know if her mom's a character, but her dad yeah, It's actually... more that Sam Lane, her dad, becomes, like, an exact copy of Thunderbolt Ross from, yes, from the Marvel. Uh, Basically, that's what I always, I always found an interesting character. Thunderbolt he... Ross? The the guy who hates the Hulk. Yeah, Come on. Just... Betsy Ross is dead. Oh, Betty Ross, yeah. right. Yeah. Betsy's the general, dead. The general, uh, very strict general type. So does he... So he hates Superman? Is that the deal? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's why... Right. It's funny, because when I saw Man of Steel... Uh, the guy from SVU who uh, up, Guardian you mean? yeah I'm about to say Guardian <laughs> the guy who was really Guardian 
I thought for like my first saw the movie, I was convinced that was fucking Lois Lane's dad. Because why the fuck is is he allowing her being around the fucking military base? That'll make the only that'll make the only way that fucking Lois Lane's president makes any sense. But no, uh, uh, Zack Snyder doesn't know if his fucking continuity. Well, you, no, you couldn't just... know it was Guardian because he didn't have the newsboys around to, yeah. to get into <laughs> so, so, so instead of making a perfectly sensical uh, General Lane, they made a completely nonsensical Guardian instead. This uh, was yeah. so weird because like. Lois Lane's parents throughout this whole comic, they're kind of just Ma and Pa Kent. Yes. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, they became he got retconned into General Lane after when they retconned like Alfred to uh, being uh, Bruce Wayne's circuit wait, dad around that time. Wait, is this stuff even canon? Like, was it considered? No, no. Canon? okay, it's not, it's not canon. It's not really canon. But I, it's funny. Then does he I, even get retconned if it's just like none of this is just, canon and here's her actual dad? It's just funny because he uses the same name, and if you go to Wikipedia page, it lists this as his first appearance. So <laughs> I just find that funny. His first non-canon appearance. But yeah, Daryl's totally right because like they look like Mon Pa Kent, they talk like Mon Pa Kent. They live out in a farm, like in a field. He's Except first instead of Smallville, like it's what Pittstown or something. Pit- Pittsdale. Yeah. Pittsdale, yeah. Yeah, so uh, sorry, the the teaser for the issue is they always have like before they they have the cover to tease you, then they have a teaser before the actual story starts where it's a, a splash page mm-hmm. and it shows Superman. Like some of us like foreplay, you know, <laughs> and and it's Superman uh, clean, uh, painting their uh, the mom pa uh, Lane's Lane. house, <laughs> their, their house, and like wow. You, I'm glad he's staying with us. He's such a good uh, person. To I hope house. he proposes to our daughter while he's staying with us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, end of and Meteorez cuts to Lois Lane saying, I'm going to go live, uh, save my parents for a few days. She's visiting uh, over like a weekend and Perry gives her the yeah. time off. And But he, she has to be back Sunday night for a major story <laughs> assignment. <laughs> Yeah, this just, never comes up again. <laughs> no, it's pretty, No, it's, that's super it's important. It's key to the story. <laughs> Oh, is it? I forgot. That's it. the whole yeah. plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. It's a twist. So, it's a twist. I forget what I'm thinking of now. Yeah. Uh, that's so, the whole plot. Fuck you. You trying to get so, <laughs> so she needs she needs to get there, but she doesn't like. There's no flights because of some. It's cloudy out. Weather. Yeah. Yeah. And weather. Superman here. She calls her sister Lucy Lane, an airline stewardess at the Metropolis Airport. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Clark Kent overhears, and then like a creeper, he just jumps out the window and then flies back into Superman. Is like, my ears are burning. You need to trip, which I also like because he says that Lois has been looking forward to the trip for weeks. And how do you not let your boss know you need to go on this trip <laughs> for weeks, nor schedule a plane ticket? <laughs> And also, he Superman mentions, well, it just so happens that aside from my regular patrols, I have nothing important to do until Sunday. I'm at your service. So Superman, the guy who could fly around the world and solve all the crimes, is like, yeah, I'm off for a few days. <laughs> yeah. That's always, my, that's always the, like, the, the thing that never But it's one sense. thing when it's like, like, I have to chill out for a little bit, but two full days with no Superman. <laughs> seems like a lot could happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, why is he staying at the fucking house? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> so... While they fly there, Lois Lane starts talking about how she's the local girl who made good in everything except catching a husband. This is always, this is such a weird thing because he's literally flying her in his arms and she's like, yeah, I love a man who doesn't even know I'm alive. Speaking about him (laughs) while he's holding her. (laughs) Also, also, she's like, it's about how she's an accomplished career woman. But uh, she's still uh, a loser because she didn't get married. So she, and she... Superman, Superman's like, uh, where's your dad's farm? And she's like, don't change the subject. <laughs> you know I can't even look at another man because I'm madly in love with you. And he's and he like, goes, uh... wait, uh, that tractor's out of control. I gotta go. <laughs> it's just going to drive off a cliff. But coincidentally, it is actually a tractor going out of control and it's her dad on it and he saves her dad. <laughs> 
Yeah, mighty grateful. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, Lois often wrote about how you rescued her in the nick of time. Now I get it. Now I understand why she's so fond of you. So I took that as now her dad is also in love with Superman. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> now he starts doing, like, work. He, like, he's flying around with sights, cutting down all this grass or wheat. <laughs> and then he, like, vibrates his hands to chop trees, and the dad's Very super impressed. Very panel. I've been trying to clear it all week, and he just sticks out his hand and runs it along the timber. Down come the trees as if they've been buzzsawed. And he, he's a stupid, this whole thing is stupid, but um, the stu- especially stupid thing is, like, the dad's seeing uh, Superman doing this. Uh, so, so, and he's saying, I, I hope he can be my son so I can have him do this every day. He's in for labor, yeah. And then the, <laughs> yeah. the next panel, look at those eyes the dad's making at Superman. I'm like, oh my god, this is such a good twist. He's in love with him. <laughs> And Superman's <laughs> pulling on his co- collar like, oh. Yeah. It's like puppy dog eyes, but um, I just find it funny. No, those are fuck me eyes. Those are not puppy dog <laughs> eyes. I, I just, yeah. I, well, yeah, it's like uh, kind of soul in a way. He's like, uh, why don't you replace this pipe with something else long and hard? <laughs> but I just find it funny because uh, Superman's taking two days off to do this guy's farm work, and now he's just like, I guess he's going to do this every day for me now. Superman's never going to Superman ever again. But oh, the the but the the real intrigue of the issue starts when th- he's begging Superman, "Marry my daughter," and Superman's like, "Take oh. my daughter, please." Yeah, yeah. And Superman's like, "I don't know. I mean, she's a wonderful girl. She'd make a fine wife." And the neighborhood gossip overhears mm-hmm. and goes, oh, "Superman's here to marry Lois." And then she runs away before she hears the second half of the sentence. However, I can't marry Lois. She'd never be safe from my enemies or have a happy, normal home life because I'm married to my work, upholding law and order and and pa lane is like i understand we'll pretend this never happened so two funny two things about this uh the lady assumes they're getting married based on the conversation because she's like why else would maybe staying two days at this house if he's not getting yeah. married which is a perfectly good point and two yeah. uh everyone fucking knows what was slain superman's girlfriend so why the fuck is she will be she more danger in danger if she was no because wife? they know she's his girl space friend uh, <laughs> not, hoping not, that... not wife because then not they'd be girlfriend. like well now we gotta kill her <laughs> yeah. like, like, like she, like he's staying at her house over the weekend. Everyone apparently was gonna know in this town at least, uh, and no one's gonna make a connection. Like, uh, like he's so co- close to her all the time that oh, that she's an important person to him anyway. So yeah, they, yeah, yeah, like yeah, she'd probably get killed anyway. Yeah, like she's dead. Like fucking yeah. So you have all these the 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 gossipy girls, these old ladies, all play telephone with each other, and they it gets to like an editor of a paper, and it says. Like, the Pittsdale star comes out and says, Superman to wed Lois Lane this Sunday, wedding to be held in Pittsdale. I actually think this is, is funny. Like, I, I enjoyed this twist. That, <laughs> like, it, this, 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 it's just the, like, that it was just, like, gossipy, like, people making phone calls and telling all their friends that by the time it actually got to the media, it was, like, they're getting married this Sunday right here in <laughs> town. Phone, literally. Um, yeah. yeah. It's so funny, too, because they don't even, like, like the, the parents are immediately like, well, I'll be hornswoggled. You took my advice after all. And then there's a marching band coming out with Long Live the Newlyweds banners. I'm like, how did not one person contact Lois or Superman <laughs> Especially to the be like, are you getting married? <laughs> this newspaper is where Lois worked. Lois worked at this newspaper when she was living in this town. Yeah. And no one even calls Lois to ask her. Hey, can I double check my source for once in my fucking <laughs> yeah. life? Now, my, one thing I want to point out, when they land source. here, when they, when they land in Pittsdale, the population is only 1,101 people. That's a pretty small town. Yeah. I, that, even, like, and having most the, of them are in this marching band on this Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way uh, this type, this size town has a marching band this big for It's a school marching yeah, band. There's like, no, like, the school can't have, unless the whole school is in this marching band. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. It's the biggest, well, Superman getting married in your town, I guess it's the biggest lose that happened to you. 
Small so, so now yeah. Superman takes Lois aside, and she's like, oh, what a mess this gossipy busybody got us into. Then they figure out that the gossip started this, and she says, I'll get us out of this. I'll make an announcement now and explain the error. And then he says, no, Lois, don't. I couldn't jilt you and make you and your family the laughing stock of this town. Because she was apparently already getting a lot of flack for not being married. Like, when yeah. when yep. the news comes out, that, or the fake news comes out that she's getting married, <laughs> everyone's like, that old maid finally did it. You said she'd never find a husband. Yeah, they actually do call her, like, an old maid at one point. I'm like, do you see how young she is? Yeah. Well, I was joking when I said, uh, even though she's a career woman, like, she's being judged for, for being an uh, unmarried uh, maiden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's really, un- at the time, it's really uncommon to go to, like, 30 or however old she is without being married. Yeah, they show, uh, the parents show a little thing baby pictures. Wait, and... but just before that, I appreciate how when Superman's like, I couldn't jilt you, it's like, he could just come out and say that, like, it was all lies and that but like a typical man it would be him lying to get out of tying the knot you know have <laughs> yeah. you have you guys more as we got to keep this tension going for another few pages yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is what he does he's like we'll just play along with it until like we come up with some solution until the writers find a way out of the situation but yeah. it was all it was all a con because superman really just wanted to trick pa lane into seeing p- baby pictures of Lois. <laughs> yeah. because he but he's even mean about it he's like wasn't she a cute little baby despite how fat she was yeah. What a weird People thing say that to about say. Babies, yeah, but like, but despite how fat she was, not because she's a cute, fat little baby. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but then, but then, like, if that wasn't like mean enough, this fucking nerd guy. This, this is my favorite. He looks like an old Jimmy Olsen. He does. <laughs> and he goes, "Oh no, that we're getting married. Lo- now that you're getting married, Lois, I thought you'd return your love letters as a wedding gift. Maybe you'd want to show them to your husband." And I'm like, "What a weird gift. gift! Weird. Why would you? Why would you? Who want would that? ever want that?" And then Lois whispers back, "Say, Superman, Hector used to be good looking. As for these <laughs> letters, I'd give anything to see them destroyed." And Superman just looks at them and burns them with his heat vision. <laughs> yeah. and, and then it's not like Hector's like, "Do it." He's just like, "What the fuck? Why are you burning the letters for?" And Lois's yeah. like, "Oh, Hector." The only way to cheap a flames or a loveless is to make him carry the torch by burning passion. And they oh, focus. it's so good. It was so mean because this guy's just like, he just comes in. He's like, hey, I thought you'd want these love letters back. And then immediately she's like, wow, you got so ugly. And then she turns to Superman and she's like, burn these, burn this gift he's in giving me. In front of him. In front of him. <laughs> yeah. And all he's saying back is, you're burning them? All those beautiful words of love? And... <laughs> Well, and and I, I think when she's saying he's ugly, she whis- she's whispering to Superman. She goes, Psst, Superman. Oh, yeah. But still. Still, it's just like such a shitty thing to do to this They don't guy. do any of the, indica- the comic book indications that they're whispering. Not the hand over <laughs> the, the mouth. Not the, the dot, dotted uh, word bubbles. She's saying out loud, this guy's yeah. fucking ugly. Now now we get, so after this we get a montage of all the wedding prep. And you get uh, Pa Lane saying, hey, here's the nursery. You guys better have lots of kids and fuck a bunch. And yeah. Lois is like, oh, no. They have a wedding cake sent over that's just a big typewriter with a Superman and Lois on it. We Pretty meet, ugly. <laughs> yeah, we meet Miss Flunkett. I'm Miss Flunkett, Lois's former English teacher. Lois is my best student. Now that she's getting married, I feel as if it were I who is ending a long, lonely <laughs> life as an old maid. It's what like, a Jesus. weird thing to say. Then we get Pauline has is giving a dowry of four cows, six pigs, and a chicken house that's all like rotted and falling apart. And he wants him to have the honeymoon in the in the coop. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, God. Superman could. If only Pa knew that Superman could bore into the earth and get millions in gold." Yeah. What a weird thing being like. A Superman could go steal money anytime he wants. It's good that Plus he's stealing along. out of the ground, right? 
I I I, I thought that was like stealing out vaults and stuff on. Oh, that. I think he, I think he can go mine real. Yeah, quick. I think he can. Mine. I was just thinking of the that tunneling groundhog that. yeah so now lois lane shows up in her big uh wedding gown now i have a question for you phil as the other married Uh co-host could you imagine planning an entire wedding including cakes guests chairs and a dress in In one day a day no i cannot Uh, the parents did it you guys yeah good luck good luck motherfuckers (laughs) i think you get a a marching band in a day they can get a fucking uh... (laughs) this town everyone's like super multi-talented with everything so now uh I'm surprised they don't mention that it's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding, but, you know, whatever. Oh, and yeah. So, well, yeah, she, so she might have snuck out. But so oh, this yeah. is the this is the main, like, uh, the climax of the story is she's walking down the aisle with her dad. And it's just like, what's going to happen? Like, how how do you end this wedding so that people don't think that Superman's dumping Lois? And he looks really calm. And then it says five minutes tick away. And suddenly there's like a r- uh, roaring. Also, can we say that? It's five minutes to six when they have to leave. So and... that's the reason why they, they're racing the clock is because they have to leave so Lois can get back in time for that big assignment. Oh, yes. Yeah, so but but, but here's the thing. Why hold the wedding at 555? Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw this and they're like, they literally are walking down the aisle at 555 when you know she's got to be out of here at six o'clock. Like, that is well, giving no They had no a fucking leeway. day to get the wedding together. They couldn't get everybody Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but every minute counts when you have to do a whole wedding. So wedding. A, a bunch of jets fly overhead that are from the military base that Lois's sister is at. And they're just flying over to drown out the entire wedding. So you can't go proceed with the ceremony. And then Superman's like, oh, uh, we got to go. I'm sorry. And six. Oh, we, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll appear next time on vacation. Yeah, he's like, don't worry. We'll uh, we'll get married next time. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened was before the ceremony, he made one call to Lois's sister who was in on it. And she is a stewardess, but she could order all the planes <laughs> to fly over this small town. Yeah, I need fighters. I need them to fly over this town. <laughs> yeah, they're fighter planes. Yeah. Fucking military planes. <laughs> but... The the real kicker is so that's the whole story. But did you guys pick up that not only was like they had to get out at six because Lois had another appointment, but they also had to leave for uh, Superman had to go. Yeah, because Superman said he needed to be back at the Fortress of Solitude because I need to look at the stars. <laughs> and I love what? this yeah, idea of you stars. canceling a wedding because you're like, sorry, like it's time to go. It's my star looking night. Like I, I figured that's what it's like some the, alien I about the thing. story because I remember the star looking shit, and I was like, <laughs> I, I figured it's like something where like he can see like danger no. or earth or planets or something. <laughs> no, the only explanation we get is I, I'm going to go look at the stars in the fortress. Of no, he said like it looks like a pretty time at this time of night or something like that. It's very specific. I gotta be there. It's almost anyway. a bullshit excuse ever. Like, that, yeah, that's that's to like so cancel good. a wedding over it. Like, sorry guys, you're running into star night. <laughs> that should have been like, yeah, bullshit. Okay, come on. The planes Listen. are leaving uh, 6 o'clock. You can wait for your fucking stars for man. Okay, get married. Yeah. Listen, this is the 50s. It's before Netflix. There wasn't a lot to do. So, you know, when you have stargazing, you can't you can't or miss like, that. I also was imagining that he can just never come back here again because every time he's come back, they're going to be like, so when's the wedding? And he's like, oh, well, Why did he go here in the go. first fucking place? <laughs> <laughs> like, why did he stay here for two days just just fucking farming? Uh, so that's one sham wedding issue that we yeah, covered. So, <laughs> so before I knew everyone read story one, I was trying to find a replacement for the box Hello story. Mm-hmm. And I found this uh, gem. So as... This is a weird phenomenon in, in like, DC. <laughs> so now we're skipping ahead to issue 79. It's yes. 1967 now. We're in yeah, the middle of the wow. women's lib movement. 
Way yeah, more and, progressive. And the cover art is Neil Adams. And there's like a, a trend where the better the cover art got for DC and like the more like a 70s start looking, uh, the dumber the stories got inside. <laughs> like in that fucking Superman Buried Alive story. Like that is the dumbest Jimmy Olsen story you've read so far. And it was had the best cover. But so this is Neil Adams on the cover and it's Lois Lane getting married to what looks like a hangman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like a, he looks like a medieval executioner with the hood. Hangman yeah, with his yeah. like shoulders cut out so you can see yeah. how buff he is. Yeah, and uh, and Superman's like sitting smugly in front of them in the pew as they're getting married. <laughs> yeah, and, yes. and Lois so says, Superman, stop my wedding to Titan Man. I just found out the terrible secret his mask is hiding. And he goes, serves your right for choosing him over <laughs> me, Lois. Marry him. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to spoil the twist, but I do just want to say that the twist is has nothing to do with his mask. Yes, I was going to say, everything about this comic is incompetent. That's the first, <laughs> really first mark of it. They couldn't, even, they couldn't even match the cover right. So, <laughs> strike one. So, now, one thing I just want to say before we get into the issue. On the next page, there's an ad for just, like, kids' games. Like, you could, like, learn how to play football or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was reading this in the library, and the line is punt, pass, and kick. But I scrolled past it quickly and read it as punk-ass bitch <laughs> and started laughing really hard. And ha- and a bunch of people were like, what is this fucking weirdo doing in the library laughing so hard? So, you know, it was fun. Also, fun we should say, fact. like, before we began reading this, Sly always asks us, it's like, what are your first thoughts? Like, yeah, what so, do you yeah, think the ahead. twist is? What do you think it was? Yeah, and so when I saw this, I was trying to think, because it's like, what could be under the mask? And my thought was, he was actually a supervillain of Superman's, and that's why he was mm. wearing the mask. And that's the terrible secret under his mask, because he's like a buff Lex Luthor brainiac or something. I thought that he was just going to be really ugly. Me too. I thought, <laughs> I thought, thought he was superficial. I thought he was going to be Clark Kent. <laughs> 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 and that, like, in some way, like, you know, because Superman always has clones and stuff. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, this I, is think, a I think that would have been better than what we got. <laughs> That's a really That's good, good twist. That's yeah, really so, yeah, good. I was like, this, that could be really cool, but it wasn't. Yeah, so, um, so now that we have it covered, now the teaser page is uh, the hangman now wearing uh, the hangman's only the hood and uh, prisoner uniform. Prisoner, down prisoner pants, but like <laughs> pants a white shirt. and like a, a dress shirt. Yes, I like that. Yeah, he has one striped article of clothing, and the other's not. <laughs> yeah, and, and he has a hangman's hood on. So he's breaking down the cell door, which was containing Lois, uh-huh. and Lois is in the cell saying, "Oh, Superman, thanks for saving you." And he's like, uh, "No, I'm not. I'm not Superman. I'm just the guy who adores you, and I want to marry you." And on the on the back of the wall, it shows a poster of Lois p- pushing down a policeman saying, "Repent your crime." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're like a very uh, short policeman with a big hat yes so this is this was confirming my belief i'm like he's a villain like he's obviously busting out of prison and just because she was in prison doesn't mean that what he did was right yeah so you we're picking up context clues this book doesn't fucking deserve this this, this was this was the laziest twist i've ever seen in my where why would she think a a guy with a hangman hood breaking down a cell door would be superman automatically yeah because superman's the only one strong enough to do this you know in a world where the justice league also exists (laughs) she's i no i think the real answer is she's literally superman crazy like she sees him everywhere yeah, so I don't know who wrote the story, but this guy, whoever wrote it, they don't get any, cred- any credits, but he's a fucking terrible writer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for first page is... Very I sim- thought this was... I just want to say, I thought this issue was excellent. <laughs> but it is not good. <laughs> so it's the, fir- the first two panels are completely waste of time. It's so like get out of bed saying, oh, I don't want to go to work today. Next panel. Oh, I am excited to go to work today. I'm interviewing Superman. Very greasy pages. Th- not only that, yeah. I'm interviewing Superman on what he thinks of modern girls. Yeah. Smash and- cut, her holding a microphone to Superman, and he says, my opinion opinion of modern girls well yes. uh so so uh so you waste those first two panels next panel is zoomed in on superman's face you don't see the, the room during that at all yeah so, uh, 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 and those saying is interviewing with a microphone 
And apparently in this next panel, I didn't realize Lo, Jimmy Olsen is interviewing another woman in the same room, even though Lo Sang is doing a microphone interview. And it's confusing because it's like a cutting to another scene of the room where two people just happen to be there. Like It's like if you turn to a corner of your, of your room yeah, right now and you, you stop just turn around and someone else is having an interview. Maybe also, yeah. Jimmy Olsen, teen photographer, is interviewing someone named Twiggy. Twiggy? Yeah. Who is? They never explain. I'm assuming she's a model. She's she must real. be a model, she's but a, she's, she is a real model. She's from. Right? Oh, she's a real person, right? Oh, really? I'm what? Almost, no, you liar. Sick. I'm almost positive there's a model, a, a British model named Twiggy. Oh my God, there is. In the seventies, she oh, was a right. British cultural icon and a prominent yeah. teenage model in swinging. I actually, so London. I'm gonna say when after this is over, I think. I thought afterwards that this was a, a satire of Britain uh, with the with the short performance of too. I'm like, oh, uh, it might be. I was oh like, my god! I was like, they're making fun of English of of British. Oh my god! What a weird so choice in this, in this fucking comic of all places. So okay, so Twiggy <laughs> is a model who is very very thin, as you can imagine from the name Twiggy. And those things said, it's Twiggy. What's she got? I haven't got more of. And as she's thinking this, uh, oh, this so, is so good. So she's jumping from uh, seat to seat, basically. There's no, there's no establishing shot at all. It's just jumping from corner to corner. Yeah. There's like five people in this room, and none of them are, are doing the same thing whatsoever. But yeah. one person's outside of the room on a ledge <laughs> looking in. And it's a guy. His name is... Uh, I, we don't know his name, but he's from the anti-Superman syndicate. And they offered him 50 grand to try out their new Annihilation Ray on old Mr. How Muscle does here, Superman not see, see this guy? <laughs> He's in front of the window. I think Superman up. does see him because he just doesn't care because he shoots him <laughs> with this ray that's supposed to send him to another dimension. Why? Why though? If even if you're immune, someone with like a loaded gun's looking in a window, and there's three other people in the room, and yeah. Superman's just like hanging out over Lois's desk, looking so at her. Superman just puffs out his chest, and he takes the full impact of the ray, but it ricochets off his indestructible body and smashes Lois in the face, and she is teleported to another dimension. And it says, "Grazes Lois? No." She is hit full force, thrown across her desk. Like, she is nailed with this thing. Yeah. So she wakes up, announces a daily planet, so daily dimension. Perry White now runs a pizza shop. A pizza where they, they leave the, it's like a big flat donut where the oh, yeah, it the is. pizza yeah. are donut. So this is like a weird alternate reality. It's like Britain. The fucking and everyone, Britain giant and she walks around and everyone starts laughing at her. And they're like, ha, ah, look at her. She, look at her figure, and everyone is like Twiggy there. So they're all like yeah. really like thin and lanky, and yeah. they're they're all talking to their boyfriends and husbands. Like, don't you think she's disgusting? And the guys are like, Yeah, very gross. That she yeah. Is. We have a panel of them turning around and one going woo woo, and the other going <laughs> what a babe. All right, so I didn't get this at all because this this has nothing to do with fucking. No, yeah, no, no. I missed the whole British thing. Yeah, so the, they're they're the only British uh, policemen, but they're all. Little people. They call them uh, the midgets in the story. They're like, very midgets. aggressive that, like, he's like, I'm a midget, a normal midget. Like, it's <laughs> all the policemen on this planet are midgets. Like, they really lay it on thick that, like, this is the term they want to use. <laughs> yeah, and this is why I, I th- this is what made me think this must be a, a, a satire of Britain because they ask Lois for her ID card and she's like, I don't have one. And they're like, she doesn't have an ID card? Arrest her. And I'm like, this is definitely a play on the whole like British police state thing with the cameras on the corners and like how how you have to have ID in Europe and stuff. I'm is pretty there, sure. Is there is there a stereotype of British people being short? 
I don't know, but they look like little British. They look like <laughs> small versions of British policemen. But like, I know, but like, why not? Like, she doesn't know. I should also clarify. She doesn't even know they're they're little people. She thinks they're fucking kids. That's why. <laughs> yeah. She, so she pushes one over, like we saw at the beginning. Says, "Get yeah. out of here, you pesky little kid." They shoot her with their with dazzle gun. Dazzle gun, and, and she goes, "Oh, the brilliance! It's blinding me. I can't see anything. My eyes, dot dot dot, dazzled." Yeah, because she's blind and she can't move, apparently. Yeah, she's dazzled, Sly. Have you never been dazzled before? <laughs> so she's laying completely flat, and they carry her away in the Parallelo Police oh, Department car. And, and they say, we folk never turn to crime. Yeah, it's really... Okay. It's is that weird. a serious I feel? I don't know. If this is, know. like, inverted world, does that mean they always go to crime? <laughs> it's not bizarre world. It's just a parallel dimension. It's not bizarre it's, Yeah, it's not, it's not reverse. Like, the... Okay. Like, it's just like there's there's variations. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. bizarre so, world. Yeah. So she she talks to another inmate there, and the, she has a poster of her cry where she pushes down the little person. I actually like this a lot. And, you like the concept of this? I like the concept that they put you in a cell with a picture of you committing the crime. <laughs> yeah. To be like, look what you did. Yeah, look what yeah. you did. So you can dwell on it. But in, in this crazy, wacky world, for breakfast, they have soup, steak, ice cream, and wine. And for dinner, they have the best meal of the day. Orange juice, cereal, and an egg. It's <laughs> great, honey. Or is it, or is it powering or Norway? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know if Norway had, like, super modern prison uh, concepts in 1967. Anyway, yeah. we get to a point where almost everything that has come up to this point matters not at all nothing matters because she sees down in the yard doing awesome push-ups it's a guy that looks like a blonde superman yeah Yeah. and and i I think the 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 other the jimmy olsen uh very live story i think that was a blonde superman too right i feel like blonde superman's probably a very you're either yeah i know i'm saying when you see a blonde superman in a 60s dc story you know it's gonna be trash so yeah yeah. (laughs) oh yeah it's always gonna be evil (laughs) the aryan superman he like he like peeks her in the window and she turns around and he jumps up to her window uh-huh. And he's like, and she's like, huh? You could have gotten up here else you flew, but you can't get in. And he goes, oh, oh can I? I? Nothing can stop me. I'm here to take you. He and, opens the yeah. door, reveals the T on his shirt that he's Titan Man. He's from a, a nearby planet. I came to study this one and allowed myself to be imprisoned. It's like, uh, what a way to study Earth is to <laughs> yeah. go to prison. Also, quick, quick note, the... The teaser panel was him busting down the door. He does yep. not bust down the door ever. He only <laughs> yeah. goes to the and, window. And he has his hood on. He's not really <laughs> shit at all. He just shows he's monster man until he puts it on after. Like even the teaser for this issue is bullshit. Like he yeah. completely yeah. fucked it up. So oh yeah, and yeah. So not only is it another dimension, but now they're going to another planet on another dimension. No, no, hold on. They're soulmates. That's important because her name is Lois Lane, which has eight letters, which is the same as Titan Man, which has eight letters. And eight is the most important number in his life. And it's always been Lois's lucky number. Yeah, just like LL is Jimmy's lucky letters. So it must be love at first sight because they've just met, but they both love the number eight so much. And she becomes really enthralled with him. And this is where I start getting uh, Carol Danvers, Marcus vibes. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, I can't think of Superman anymore. I can only think of Titan Man. Man. He also also said in the scene before that he's a telepath. And I'm like, is he mind controlling her here? Maybe not mind control, but like, you know, you can influence, right? I'm sure a telepath can slowly just move your emotions. One thing I find so funny about the story is uh, like, uh, Superman has like no fucking villains at this time in history. Like, (laughs) 
You would think they have a villain called uh, Titan Man. Like, they'll have, like, a big fight at the end. But, no, this is just all bullshit. Well, this isn't in the Superman magazine. It's in the Lois Lane. Yeah, which is about love. And she's found true love, finally. Which is another thing. Like, we're little girls. Like, I want to see a typical (laughs) Superman story, except a little bit more focused on Lois Lane getting married. Maybe it's trying to get uh, the boys who read the comic to be more sympathetic towards uh, females in their lives. Ah, see, no, high. no, they... no! It's it's meant to try and sell the girls. And what are the dames like? They like women falling for men. Yeah, yeah. So, so he uses his dynometric force to create a spherical field to protect her from the dangers of deep space because he can't live without her. Come with me to my planet as my wife, and, and they go. <laughs> and she's like, "Wow, he's even more super than Superman. Like he yeah. can't shoot. He can't make a dynometric sphere." And as he's flying there, he puts on a hood, and he's like, I have to put it on. This is how I hide my real identity on my home planet. The only reason he put that hood in right now is just because they're getting close to the end of the comic, and they have to start making time to come yeah. just yep. a little yep. bit. So finally yeah. he puts on the hood. He finally looks like a hangman. Yeah. And everyone's cheering for Lois Lane and him getting married. The whole planet is so excited. But what is his terrible secret, guys? He's actually has seven other wives. <gasps> he's a polygamist. No! <laughs> he introduces Lois's seven bridesmaids and she's like they're so lovely why are they numbered one to seven and he's like those are my other wives and you're gonna be number eight the most special yeah to go to what Daryl's saying what is, what is the little girl fear the most be the eighth wife like, <laughs> That's yeah and so she... Lois goes through this fear montage where she's like wait if I'm eight that means I'm eighth in line for food so I'll starve to death <laughs> you see her every eighth day <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna dance with you eighth every eighth dance. Yeah, like basically, I'm just the I'm gonna be. And I like that her her complaint on this is not you didn't tell me you were goddamn like married to seven other women. It's that I wouldn't have seniority over the other wives. They would <laughs> yeah. outrank me. You do have a she does have a good pun though. He says, "Aren't you lucky to be number eight? Do you know where that puts you?" She said, "Yeah, right behind the eight ball." Is I that, like that. Is that no, no. <laughs> I did not like that. <laughs> yeah, Vito. Vito that like. Fine. fine. I, I have Ryan's back. Like, I yes. <laughs> uh, two to one. Two to two is the tiebreaker. <laughs> so he, Lois obviously doesn't want it. So he uses his tranquilizer ray that he has like, it's like heat vision, but for way more nefarious purposes. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. It's power. This will calm like, you down. Yeah. yeah so yeah. then, and then it's like, so now it's, the comic's almost over. It's the last fucking page. Yeah. Where the fuck, how the fuck is this Superman going to come in? He just shows up random and say, hey, I'm here. And she's like, oh, Superman, you're here to save me. And he's like, no, I'm just here to watch you get married. Yeah, you yeah. shit, bitch. Say your ideas pretty low. Do they even explain why he no, shows up? No. no. They don't explain. And also, no. they trace the fucking cover for this panel, by the way. They cover him saying, ha, you're getting married, Lois. Yeah. Like, the fucking laziest shit ever. Like, no, yeah. it, it does explain it, because yeah, it does what happens, it. it's strange dizziness, as Lois feels herself once more caught in the whirling vortex that sent her through space, and she appears right back in the Daily Planet again. Oh, shit. Yeah, I should have clarified, it doesn't mention hallucination, why he's there, but <laughs> the twist is, it was all hallucination, because it's the laziest fucking story ever written. It was all a dream. She says, twi- she saw Twiggy, that's why she imagined everyone looked like Twiggy. Where the fuck did the tiny policeman come from? So she got hit with this ray and it it did nothing? No, it knocked her out for a little bit. So she had a dream. That's why this is the laziest comic ever. Because anytime you're like, how do I like put all these like twists together? You're like, it's just a dream. Doesn't need to make sense. Superman flies in. And he's like, ha ha. Too bad. That's for why. Because it's like yeah. her. Fe- yeah. So it makes sense in the sense that it's her fear of Superman rejecting her like this. So it's like he just flies in just to be like, fuck you. And she just hates English people. <laughs> Yeah. After seeing Twiggy, she's like, oh my god, it all makes sense. <laughs> so she punches, Smith punches a guy and it ends over saying, I'm not even mad that you 
oh, we're going to stop my wedding. And he's just like, what? So, you know, it's like very much like when your girlfriend gets mad at you for yeah, cheating on her in a dream. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? What did I do? Also, and then, <laughs> can I say that I forgot, seeing that panel of Superman punching the guy, I completely forgot Superman should just not punch people, right? He's like too strong. To yeah. Punch just sure he can control over his strength, right? Yeah, he has control, or else he'll explode people. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's, that's crazy because, like, if he's throwing a punch at the normal man's speed, like, wouldn't he explode them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to keep in mind, like, this was this was just pulp fiction for a lot of kids. They, they, like, yeah, you can't, yeah. if you, like, you want to see the thrill of a man punching another man on panel. Yeah, I'm just, I'm like, there's a part of me that's just not used to Superman punching ordinary people. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. nowadays you want to do that because now I actually just thought the same yeah, thing when I looked yeah. at this panel again. I was like, I forgot he decks that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's just a guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's why I want to do this, but this is why I want to do this comic because. The cover is potentially interesting. There's a guy called Titan Man. He's yeah. a secret on his mask. Superman's being a dick. And it's all just a dream. Yeah. You know, nothing, that, nothing, nothing, always nothing the most disappointing of twists. Yeah. And uh, apparently it's, it's a way for a writer to make a commentary on Brynn sucking and being a tyrannical <laughs> police state. That's so weird. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it, but no, I, I can actually see it. The fucking maybe Brynn was like the <laughs> the, the, the police the, the prison stuff. Maybe they was they were very punitive, but they did give like uh, a lot of treatment to, uh, to prisoners. So somebody in America, the way they do the bitch about Norway, saying normally you get fucking caviar and fucking PlayStation, fucking uh, the guy, all those criminals in there, fucking uh, bullshit. Like oh, this should be tough on crime maybe, maybe this guy's like a mark millar and this is his fetish it's like doesn't britain suck or maybe he's a reverse mark millar mark millar makes commentaries american stories and he's yeah. british and this guy's <laughs> he's like, American no, guy well I, I do yeah. know like there's a lot of like there are countries where you are expected to have your like papers on you at all times and yeah. uh this is why there's always such outcry well, why this story what, like the fucking jimmy also why not? Story, <laughs> you gotta write a lois lane story why not throw in some commentary <laughs> i know but the jimmy also story at least fucking earned the, the Burry live story at least had him go to another country where they have fucking yeah. uh it's because he had to be on. subtle maybe like his brother-in-law is British. He's like, I don't want to. I don't want him picking up. <laughs> I'm just imagining his editor being, like, "What the fuck is this shit? I guess it's okay. I mean, what the what, what the fuck?" And he's passing it through, and he's like, "Ha yeah. ha, I got it's, my." It's soul. Lois Lane. What are you gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be surprised if they wrote a single uh, one of these fucking stories. Okay. So that ends our Patreon. Uh, so thanks again to John for recommending more progressive women voices on this fucking yeah or lois lane was just tore down the whole time and then she had to marry a guy who already had other wives very progressive both times she's pressured into marriage once one is a guy she wants to get married but she's pressured <laughs> to by her parents and one she's gets pressured into by hypnotism so uh guys this supposedly was written by richard hughes and on the dc wiki this is the only issue he's ever <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> what? Wow. what a lost talent that can't be true it can't be true can it he might I, have not hope, been I hope that's the fucking like. Uh, I hope what, what what do you call it? Uh, like those fake names that people make up to. Like Pseudonym. a uh, yeah, like a pen name. Oh Alice my god! Richard Lee. Hughes was born in 1900, and he's a <laughs> British writer of poems. <laughs> <laughs> Same one. Maybe maybe that's why that Richard Hughes, this writer of this comic, hated him. Is because he was always assumed to be this guy, and this guy has a unibrow, and no one wants to be associated with that. Well, maybe that's the, maybe Done. that poet is the same Richard Hughes. That's what I was gonna say. What if it's the same guy? No way. Because what? He would be in his sixties here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should read Richard Hughes poems. And no, find what out. year okay. is this? Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah. No, this is a different. So Richard Hughes was a 
an American comics uh, editor and writer from 1943 to 1967. He frequently wrote under pseudonyms. Mm. So this is the one book that he was like, I'll put my real name on it. Also, <laughs> since, since, he's, since he's the editor, that means no one would have said no to his story, which means a lot. Yeah. Oh, His final yeah. comic work was uncredited stories for Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Wow. wow. We, have, we might even have read him already. We didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he might have read yeah. the fucking Barry Live story. Wow, he has feels... a lot of pseudonyms. <laughs> what is wrong with this? Guy? Uh, also, I also learned in my quick research that Twiggy was a judge on America's Next Top Model from 2005 to 2007. Really? Yeah. How about that? And the winner of the, winner of the 2007 about America Top Model? Uh, Richard Hughes. <laughs> so, I th- so I think we all learned a little bit today. We learned about yeah. Twiggy. We learned that British people, British police officers are all uh, little people. Mm-hmm. I already and... know all this. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that it Man. sucks to be, if depending on what number wife you are is when you get ordered in things. Yeah. 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 Like how the, the idea that like there's only enough food for like whoever gets it first. And yeah. The first number eight, wives. you will starve to death. As as in like you prefer the is in a polygamist prefers his first wife all the time. It's like nah, dog. The funny thing is, it makes sense. I, in the I fucking... think I think it actually is that way in a lot of polygamous like tribal societies where there is like a, a seniority thing where if I was there first. Yeah, I understand that. I always thought there was like a, at least a preference within like guy choosing like the newer younger wives. But I think in terms of, like, actual, like, societies that had polygamy as, as part of their, like... Oh, like, culture. Yeah, yeah but th- like, this is Britain, Phil. That's true. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Uh, this is no, he's uh, Titan parallel or whatever. or whatever. So is this America? Is this, like, commentary on America and, like, Utah or some shit like that? <laughs> no, it's oh. Britain. <laughs> you know? No, no but he, he goes to another planet oh. and, and now it's polygamous. This is fucking Mormon commentary now, is it? Oh. Sly, not everything's commentary. Everything we is. we started this train. Let's fucking end it. Let's fucking, let's <laughs> the fucking no, let's actually end this train. Okay. okay. So thank you, as always, especially to John for recommending these books. And uh, we're going to think we do more books about Lois Lane specifically because yes. this, yes. this is a treasure trove. This is definitely a treasure trove for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, any other Patreon recommendations, send it in to divisiveissues at gmail.com. And uh, just to make sure that we know that it's from a Patreon backer, we should have a, a secret code name, and that is Twiggy. So email us with the code name Twiggy, and we'll know that you're a Patreon backer. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. So thank you for listening and for giving us money. I've been Ryan. I've been Sly. I've been Phil. And I've been Daryl. Stay in Patreon mode. I give you the incredible flying machine. <laughs>
Hello, and welcome to the Divisive Issues July Patreon Extravaganza. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And we're here at what is the beginning of the July Patreon drive to try to get more money out of people. Cha-ching, Extract cha-ching. our fans from yes. <laughs> all they're worth. So we're going to do something special that we've only done in a vague, ambiguous sense, and we're going to take a request from a Patreon backer. The time we came closest was when John suggested just general Lois Lane shenanigans. But now we're going to take a specific issue suggested by Superfan Tracy, Doom Patrol, issue 89. The first appearance of everybody's favorite villain, the Animal Vegetable Mineral Man. He's the guy in Infinity War? (laughs) Yes, yeah, he's the guy from the end of Infinity War. (laughs) He is purple. Now, this, I was very excited because Doom Patrol is one of my favorite Silver Age books. <laughs> and, yeah, I hate you guys. So when Ryan said this, I wanted to kill myself after reading <laughs> And then this I read this issue. issue, and I was like, this issue's a pretty regular issue. It doesn't really have a lot of what I love about the Doom Patrol. Yeah, uh, Doom Patrol is my, my favorite uh, DC book for sure. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I hate you guys. Yeah, I said I wanted to kill myself. I actually want to kill you. <laughs> for my me, from Silver Age, um, uh, I forgot this issue existed. Because uh, it's more of it's more of a, like a, the cover became a meme because the cover is, is silly because his name is Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, but the actual story is very like like very standard for a superhero story. There are a couple little things in it that I I like, but we'll get yeah, to I, that. Yeah, I, so. I, I don't want to be mean to Tracy. Thank you for uh, <laughs> helping us out here and being a supporter and everything. But this guy, other than his very long name and how goofy he looks, he's like half dinosaur, half man, half tree branch and stuff. This is he's just a nothing character. This was a nothing comic. His his powers are uh, can be like made into a movie today, but like um sure, but then it's like he could just be like anything, man. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's like like you could be a villain for any team for any decade and it'll work. It's, it, it, yeah, this this whole thing like when I was reading it like even though I don't know Doom Patrol, everything just felt so perfectly substitutable for like everything else that was happening in this era. Like this was Fantastic 4, I'd, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, okay." Or if yeah. this is like the Avengers. Also, I thought like... I thought Doom Patrol were bad guys. No. Uh, no. <laughs> just that name. You're, think, you're, you're thinking Patrol. of Doctor Doom. <laughs> I know Doctor Doom. Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> So, one thing I want to point out is, even though this is issue 89, it's actually really early in the Doom Patrol's history, because they were in a book called My Greatest Adventure, and debuted in issue 80, and then they became so popular by the, like, 7th or 8th issue that they took over the book. So, even though this is issue 89, it's really only their, like, ninth or 10th story. Yes. Is there anything notable, like, about them? A uh, yes. lot. Uh, so, one thing I want to point now. out first They're very is... Notable. This is still by their original creative team, the creative team that created them, Arnold Drake and Bruno Paul... Palmieri? Parmieri? Parmesan? Uh, don't ask me how to present those names. Gene Parmesan, how you doing? <laughs> Gene Parmesan, uh, Bruno Premiani. Oh. Sorry, this I was very wrong, different than Gene Arnold, Parmesan. Arnold Drake is important because he also has a history with the X-Men. Yes. And Doom Patrol and the X-Men have an interesting parallel, right? Yeah. Sylvester? <laughs> yeah, the Doom, uh, X-Men are rip off of Doom Patrol, uh, straight up. Oh. Uh, they released like a few months, uh, Doom Patrol came out a few months before X-Men. Now, a lot, there has been some back and forth between comic historians like us that some people say that the issues came out too close together, that it just was a similar idea that like happened to come out at the same time. But I'm of the mind that I think Stanley was like, I could do this too. Yeah, and Doom Patrol is way better than Stanley's uh, X-Men. Uh, X-Men doesn't actually get good until Arnold Drake crossed over to Marvel and started writing it, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is ironic. Uh, the thing that made Doom Patrol really special, for, especially for uh, DC, 
Uh, if you ever, we've, we've touched a few DC stories, you know, there's not much character work or anything personality going on. Uh, and here's the best the best highlight of it, but you do get a little bit of it, in that the Doom Patrol all, always talks smack to each other. Uh, they were the first mm. like superheroes to really do that, especially in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll see uh, the heroes are Negative Man, whose power is he's, he's he basically got uh, irradiated and he's covered bandages, but for I think for 15 seconds he's able to release an antibody out of his uh, out of his body, out of his body, which body, is, body, yeah, body, body. Yeah. But he has to constantly be covered in these radiate radiated bandages, or else, or, yeah, or else his radiation kills people around him. Mm-hmm. Uh. Negative, the negative man that comes out of him is basically he can go through anything, but if he doesn't return to back to him in 15 seconds, uh, ne- the person negative man dies. Oh. Yeah. That's uh, a more interesting power that I've picked up from this. <laughs> robot man is just a brain in a robot body. Yes. And he's basically like a Ben Grimm kind of character where he's just like, my whole life really sucks. Yeah, I notice when he's like, you two always get the nice stuff and I'm just stuck in a metal body. And right. the way yeah. the way that too, like they're always just calling him like tin head and stuff. I'm like, they're really yeah. re- rude to this guy. I don't think he yeah. chose this life. If anything, this is Fantastic Four so far. You have Johnny Storm, <laughs> Ben Grimm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Negative Man, I love his power side. It's very unique. It's, that's why I think uh, we should strive to do when a superior power has uh, built-in limitations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Larry himself is a fucking asshole. He can fucking die. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Robot Man for life. Um, yeah, uh, oh, Robot Man's the best, and yeah. that's why every time Robot the Doom Patrol Man, gets Man. killed, Robot Man's the only one who stays around. <laughs> yeah, everyone. So, Doom uh, Patrol no toys for dying. They died at the end of the series, and they stayed dead for decades. Uh, Robot Man's the only one to survive because he's a robot. All you need yeah. is his brain to keep him alive. Yeah. And it was a franchise that really kind of barely existed until uh, my boy Grant Morrison took over and made it a bizarre Dadaist masterpiece yeah and one thing Grant Morrison did which was I've never read a series but it's always sounds weird to me is uh, the leader of the Doom Patrol is the Chief who's the biggest ripoff from X-Men in terms of X-Men uh, Professor X is ripoff the Chief because the Chief was a uh, man in a wheelchair who brought him together and he basically fixed all the all the different members of the team up and found a way around their powers killing other people uh, so Professor X is a straight up of that he gave Cyclops he found Cyclops he gave his fucking glasses in a wheelchair yeah. it's just a straight up of the chief but yeah, the, except the, Professor X has powers himself whereas this guy yeah. is just a guy right yeah but the chief is uh, but yeah so he's just a guy but he is like the leader of the team because he's the, yeah. the guy who thinks everything up and last the girls oh, spoilers the, for oh I thought you were gonna go ahead and talk about oh yeah, but, yeah but spoilers Grant Morrison makes him a villain which I always hated uh, conceptually wow. uh because uh, and they, they, and Brian's she's just saying oh but prefer, then you then you'll be too similar to Professor X which is ironic because now Professor X is a villain too so now you have <laughs> uh, basically like the, the both both Chief and Professor X are like you can't just have a moral compass yeah. for a team you have to make them you have to make them somebody the team has to rebel against and Secretly move past. Like, yeah, you can't, I, you can't, I heard something about Cyclops like killing Professor X or something yeah, but, yeah like it's, it's, it's evil, a whole bunch. It's a whole bunch of shit, but like the problem. But the thing is, uh, both the chief and Professor X were like moral arbiters for a team, and I guess the writers have a trouble writing that, so they just make them some character they have, they have to overcome instead. Yeah. And then rounding out the team, we have Elastigirl, who she can stretch and stuff, but this is more the so. Fantastic Four. But more so, but hold on, but more so, she she really grows big and small and stretches. So like Reed Richards just stretches. She usually more so is like a she's like a combination of like Ant Man, Giant Man, and, uh, and Mr. Fantastic. Like a Reed Richards. Yeah, yeah, and Grant, I think Grant Morrison. I don't know if Grant, one of the modern writers made her so like sheer. She's the most normal one of the team. She, that's one of the things about the Doom Patrol is they're all freaks and everyone mm-hmm. hates them. Uh, outside of the superhero uh, uh, shenanigans, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Last Girl was the only one that could pass for normal. 
but in like modern editions now, like her 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 thing is that she she like slowly she's so elastic that she basically melts. She's yeah, that's a thing. Jeff Johns Keith Giffen concept. Yeah, but yeah. the uh, the the main thing that I, I want to say about Elastigirl, there is a backup in the back of this book that's a solo Elastigirl story that we're, we're not going to cover. But Elastigirl is like leagues better than any woman character at uh, at the time. Yeah, like you, she, like we we were saying, I said it's my favorite. Like DC book, like Elastigirl is easily my favorite superhero at this time. Like nothing in Marvel yeah. compares to, to uh, absolutely nothing in Marvel compares, and nothing in DC compares because she actually like goes on solo adventures, which I can't think of any character aside from maybe Black Canary that had Wonder, Wonder solo... Woman. Wonder Woman. Oh, and Wonder Woman. Yeah, but I mean like s- part of as part of like a the Silver Age revival. Like, yeah, the, I don't know, being introduced and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like, also Wonder a... Woman at this time, she was uh, the writer of Wonder Woman. Uh, my bullshit trivia: he was really phoning in this time and making Wonder Woman fight like giant eggs and spacemen. So, <laughs> yeah. so, Elastigirl is like the most high effort female contest, so. and and also when it comes to not in this book, but the one thing I want to say about Elastigirl too is when an, a love interest is introduced to her, he like shows up as like this love interest, and she very frequently like puts him in his place, and he's like, "Come away with me," and she's like, "No, you suck. You have to like be a better person." And for like the mid '60s, that's like crazy to read, of having like this woman be like, "No, fuck you. You're being like sh- misogynistic." Yeah, we're putting a uh, ma- uh, man in her pl- in his place mm-hmm. continually. Yeah. So I have a, a very deep attachment to Rita Farr, Elastigirl, but let's get into the animal, vegetable, mineral menace. Oh, yeah, a story that, that me and Ryan didn't forget about at all. <laughs> <laughs> all matter is divided into three categories, but the lines of separation are not always clear and strong. When one man learns to hurdle these biological barriers, his power looms not only limitless, but dangerous. And the Doom Patrol suddenly finds itself confronted by... The man who becomes the animal, vegetable, mineral menace. Like we all know, three states of matter: animal, <laughs> vegetable, and mineral. I think this. I think that is a phrase, though. Really? Like I, I, I've heard it. Mineral. Like when people play, you know, like twenty questions. Yeah. Like I've heard in like media, people play that game by saying, like, is it an animal, a vegetable, or a mineral? Which like there are more things than that, but I think that is like a phrase from it's like, like a categorization. Yeah, like, it yeah. has to be because this is just so weird. Vegetable. Yeah, I didn't know that until, like, I didn't know that when I first read this book, but I've heard it since then. I was like, oh, I guess that's not just, like, a weird thing they picked for this guy. I tried to Google animal, vegetable, mineral just now, and animal, vegetable, mineral man was the first thing that popped up. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not a big and, phrase. And there's a TV show, apparently, from the 50s called Animal, Vegetable, Mineral, question mark, and it's a game show where you have to guess. Okay, so, so, so maybe, so I guess that's that probably be... where it's from. And it, might, it might be, by the way, this is even the 60s, so maybe that's how they, like... Yeah, this is, and this is, like, pretty... Cool, this is Jeopardy like 1960. Man. Yeah, this is 1964, so yeah, that's, don't like, you mean, uh, isn't there, like, a roulette man or something? That, that might have been more of a term of phrase back then than it is now. Mm, yeah. yeah. What is Jeopardy, man? Anyway. <laughs> so, anyway, it starts with, like, the action splash page that opens of they're fighting this big, like, In goo res, monster. In Mia Res, when you jump ahead yeah. to what's going to happen yeah. later. Yeah. It's, they're fighting this big goo monster who's melting through a big block of ice. And Roboman's like, wowee, this paramecium is turning into sulfur. And Chief's like, watch out. If he touches you, we'll all explode. And then it cuts back that there's a plane where this little guy, this like regular man. This is just so, so weird reading this. Weird. <laughs> so Dr. Larson, who Larson is the name of the Paramecia monster. What? He's sitting in a plane and he's like being reminded to fasten his seatbelts. And all of a sudden the, the, what are they even, the radioactive energy part of negative just, man. Just call him, I, I, call, I always call him the antibody. I think it was, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Call him just later. negative man. <laughs> 
They, they call him Negative Man here, but just for, uh, for con- less confusion between the Negative Man, the person, Negative Man, the actual Negative Man. <laughs> yeah. They just call him the antibody. So, okay, so his antibody swoops through the wall of the plane, grabs Dr. Larson, phases through the wall, and brings him right down. Can it fa- if it grabs guys, can't phase them through walls, too, I guess? I I, th- I think I think it does. I think that is a, I think that is the thing it does because that's how I also like the idea of him opening the window and depressurizing the plane just to bring this guy down. <laughs> it's just so weird that like they do that I... that they capture him for show. Yeah, this is this is this is uh, obviously weird, but this is uh, comics do this weird thing all the time. They can't just have I guess it's to open the story in the big on the big like note. yeah we're like whoa what's this maybe guy? this is why I, th- I assume they were villains immediately because like with a name like Doom Patrol and then they're kidnapping this man out of a plane I'm like what the hell is happening? and one thing too that I think they're doing is because this is still so early in the Doom Patrol's history, I think they're just looking for an excuse to immediately showcase the team's Oh, yes, powers. that is also yeah, definitely... They didn't have recap I... pages, so... Yeah. If, you, if this is your first Doom Patrol comic, you want to have immediately show which character is which. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Negative Man swoops in from the plane, grabs him, drops him into Elastigirl's arms, who grows really big, and brings him up to a higher floor, where he is picked up by Robot Man with his electromagnetic boots walking straight up the building... And then they drop him in to meet the chief in this, like, fancy restaurant up on the, you know, like, the 100th floor or whatever. And apparently the chief is this doctor's old friend. And he says, welcome, Sven. When you wrote to say you were coming to America, you mentioned you wanted to meet the Doom Patrol. So we staged this huge elaborate thing for you. Yep, and thankfully he's not, like, scarred or terrified. He's like, <laughs> amazing. They're positively astounding. He was just being dangled off a skyscraper. We don't know if he's scarred, but maybe this is what really sets off. The <laughs> yeah. Falling and... He, he exposits, you know, it cuts forward and exposits that this is one of the chief's old students when he taught at Stockholm University. And he has a big discovery that he's been working on that he wants to show the Doom Patrol. He's having like a, a public lecture tomorrow. Yeah. So if you, if you saw Spider-Man 2, you know where this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Or if you've ever read a comic book with a scientist. Yeah, but like, let me see like, any like, random scientist show up and he's just, I'm going to show you guys something you know is happening. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. every time there's a scientist in like an old age comic, it's always they're gonna about to turn themselves into something awful. Yeah. yeah. So he brings them to his giant sci-fi lab that he has developed a way to create life artificially using a giant lightning synthesizer. He's like, he's like, you know, primordial soup. It was amino acids with lightning. I made amino acids. And he says, one of these lines made me laugh. It was like, uh, I am barding this vat filled with amino acids. The same, which I assume existed on Earth nearly (laughs) three billion years ago. I'm like, great assumption. (laughs) One thing that you guys might laugh at me for this but one thing that i like about a book like the doom patrol is that they lean into the science part of science fiction where it's not just like there's aliens here like they actually like use some science terminology when they talk about radioactivity and when they do different elements they actually talk about like sulfur will react to metal in this way and like i always kind of eat that stuff up even Mm -hmm. if it's like Mm -hmm. in a dumb thing like I, i like it better than just like this is a magic ray gun that does science. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, hard science is always way more interesting than just like loosey goosey. Yeah, just, ima- just imagine using science name basically. Yeah, yeah, and especially at the time, like that to me, this reads like a more a more science based book than a lot of other like Batman <laughs> hey. f- going to the fifth dimension kind of thing. So, so this guy starts. He slips off of the thing into his own experiment. Like ah, that. I <laughs> slipped as he's pointing. Yeah. So. And then, and then I just want to say for Sly's sake. Negative man shoots out his antibody, and he says, "Get him out of there, negative man." <laughs> yes, yeah, so the antibody is called negative man. That's I wanted to clarify for sake of readers, so the readers are not like going back and forth between which negative man the person. Also, whatever. he goes to speed of light. How does he not catch this guy? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, he's I don't know. <laughs> I guess it, it, it took Chief too long to say it. 
Well, he also, he doesn't immediately launch him. He has to think about no, it. No, I may have and, talked to Phil about how dumb almost this entire comic is based on the fact that he can do things at the speed of light. It's like everything Negative Man wants done should be done. Mm. Speed of light's very fast. Uh, earlier, when we introduced the character, we established that Larry Trainer is an asshole. So I think he lets this guy fall out on purpose because he thinks it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so he, before he can, bef- but before the speed of light figure can reach the vat. <laughs> Uh, Larson, Larson was in the vat. (laughs) Larson turns into this giant paramecium millions of times its original size, just like the simplest animal forms on Earth. I assume three billion years ago. It looks like a looks like it looks really. It's like a furry tongue walking around kind of thing. I like a lot of the design choices that he takes. I thought it was a cool monster. Yeah, throughout this whole book, like not just in this issue, but I always thought the Doom Patrol was a lot more visually interesting than like Superman fighting a guy that looks like Superman but with a T on his shirt or green skin or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. or white skin Bizarro Superman, which you still want (laughs) to have us read. (laughs) Yeah. So now the the cops come in and they immediately start shooting at this paramecium, and the chief says, "No, that giant paramecium is what remains of a." great man we must have a chance to bring him back which again is a little thing that i think the doom patrol does better where space alien kind of thing you know big sci-fi monster shows up where usually superman would just throw him into the sun or whatever but he's like no there's a person in here we should try to save him yeah uh that's another reason why it's funny she becomes a villain because uh, she was like the most moral person in comic books at this time i think Mm. so chief wants to he's trying to stop them and the cops are like, can we please kill this thing? And he's like, no. So Negative Man grabs Robot Man a tank of liquid oxygen and he freezes it. So it's a, because he, and the chief's like, if you freeze bacteria, it doesn't kill them. It just puts them in a state of hibernation. Mm-hmm. But this monster turns into this mass of sulfur like we saw on the front page. And it's, it melts all the ice and now it's changed from living to non-living matter. But quick, Rita, get big enough so that you could catch this sulfur. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Just hold him. <laughs> yeah, she's got gloves on. <laughs> she grabs him like a little doll. Yeah, she picks him up like a little doll. And it turns into a big uh, creeping ivy that's moving with incredible speed and wraps around her, starting to choke her. But then she shrinks down small. She like goes through the forest that is this man now. <laughs> to get through the forest. Which again, I think that this is very visually fun to read. Also, uh, like I always say, there's a sequence of events here. Uh, so it's not just a lot of modern comics where two characters run to each other, a uh, fight happens, and then one character loses. Like you see uh, him reacting to everything. And uh, Chief is like, oh, we have to change back to this now. Uh, so you, there's a back and forth here, which I like. Yeah, that showcases their powers. Yes. And then it turns he turns into a bird and flies away. <laughs> And Chief goes, good grief. It changed into a bird and flew off. You weren't far from it before, Cliff, when you asked, is it animal, vegetable, or mineral? It's all three. Oh, my God. How could this be? The game shows broken. (laughs) And then, I really like this part, because Negative Man flies to the guy's lab, steals all his research, and he's like, look, in in all his notes, he said he was going to do this a month ago, and he wanted to turn into a big monster (laughs) supervillain. So he and, didn't and, trip. And the robot man's like, you knew, like, this is no accent. Like, like, like the guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> I tried to defend him now, the chief. And uh, Larry's like, shut the fuck up, robot man. And, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, why would he do this? He was a brilliant mind. What will he do with this power? And I just, because when I first read it, I was like, he slipped. That's such a dumb catalyst to this issue. Yeah. And then like, nah, he jumped in on purpose. It's even stupider, though, because he pretends to slip. Why have the cover story... Like, why even bring everyone else there to watch you fall in? Because Chief didn't want to kill him because he thought he was a hopeless victim. But now maybe Chief wants to do something. Uh, yeah. Must have fucked his shit up now. 
But then why leave your notes around? Because uh, he's an idiot. But like, just because he's an idiot <laughs> means it's not, uh, pl- uh, he, it's not plausible you'll think of a cover story. Yeah. So then we get some some cool transformations where it's a big dinosaur rampaging through the city. They start spraying it with a hose, like I, a high pressure hose. I love hose. that. They're like, the hose will stop him. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> and he turns into a sponge and absorbs everything. <laughs> I love that water too. Back at yeah, them. he becomes a sponge and sprays them with hose. <laughs> yeah. Negative Man, like, rings out all the sponge, and then he turns into lead, which traps radiation. So he captures Negative Man. Robot Man runs in, starts punching him a bunch, and then as soon as Robot Man has him in a grip, he turns into a dandelion, and all his seeds blow away, and he escapes again. Oh, oh yeah, and they also abbreviation call him AVM Man. <laughs> thing every time. That, that's where I got to the point where I'm like, couldn't you just have a different name? <laughs> He should have just called AVM. Like he wanted his fucking or just gunplay. anything, because he can. Yeah. He does anything he wants, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Matter Man. Then so then Metamorpho. There, he... <laughs> he escapes into the subway and he turns into a giant tarantula and he like just grabs trains, <laughs> but but Robot Man uses his robot body to attach the tarantula's legs to the third rail and electrocutes him, but. He turns into a swarm of gnats so that he could crawl into Robot Man's brain and turn it off. And then Robot Man realizes that that's his only living part. So he starts flipping out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I like the progress because he's like, "Oh, they're coming for me! Oh, you think bees can hear me?" And she's like, "God damn it, get out of here! Like you're fucking, they're going to your brain." And then he's like, "Oh my god, my brain!" And he starts flipping out. Yeah, as the full terror becomes clear blind panic seizes Cliff. Get away! Get away from me! And he runs while he's, like, banging himself on the head. Yeah, and, uh, uh, he's a, uh, Chief says, you can't save yourself. Only Negative Man can. And, uh, Negative Man's antibody goes and wraps around, uh, Robot Man's head, head to seal his head off from the, all the bugs. Yeah. And again, like, this is, like you said, there's a progression of events that utilizes all their powers really well. Yes. And I find that to be, like, like, we talked about on, on our Infinite Crisis episode how it's a lot of people just fighting because they're there. Mm-hmm. And so there, the whole time the chief is like, what is his motive? Think, why, why would he do this? Like, why, why would he try to kill you? And then he goes, he still really believes that I stole his invention. That they mentioned earlier that I forgot to mention. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention. <laughs> we forgot to mention your motivation. He, he, when yes, he first showed up. When he like, first... ah, yes, you're such a great teacher. And then the, and the chief was like, yeah, remember that invention that I didn't steal from you, but you think I did? <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that. So apparently so, the so invention... this just story is how to... Uh, feed uh, plot points better than we do. Yeah. Or seed plot points. Uh, yeah. So, the, the, <laughs> I mean, the it's just like one sentence. I had completely forgotten by the time I got here that that so was the a in, thing. The, the invention that he said he stole was an anti-decay ray that halts all changes in living cells. So he knows how much you all mean to me, so your deaths would be his revenge. But ironically, this device I built for pure research... <laughs> I love it. It's a gun that he built for pure research. <laughs> yeah. this, 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 uh, this, this is every fucking scientist in DC. Like, yeah. out of nowhere. I have the, the one thing we need to stop our enemy for is one story. And to <laughs> never show up in any story ever again. <laughs> yeah. I have a cure for, like, uh, world hunger and all these other problems. They'll never show up again. But in here this I have for his one story. Yeah, I think this, based on his definition, I think this ray would stop aging. I, yeah, yeah, I think so too. But I think if, if it stops changes in living cells... Freezes uh, you, probably. Yeah, it's really weird because yeah. then it's like you can't digest, right? You but you would think that this is something that yeah, you could you could take this this, this breakthrough and apply it to maybe stopping aging cells, something like that. Like no, this is guys, not like it, it, it's too powerful. This this technology is not meant to be in the hands of humans. As well, we, you will use this one enemy and lock away forever. Yeah. yeah. So now uh, he's turned into a big, uh, a diamond, big man. diamond man that's just like I guess just walking around. 
So and then we, the Rita grabs him by his legs, <laughs> like holds him up. So then he shoots at the tiger to try to bite her face off. Yeah, but then what do they do? Do they hit they him? With shoot the, him! Yeah, with they the, shoot yeah. him with the ray, and the the tiger curled like turns around and then curls up like a dead spider, and it just freezes. Yeah. yeah, and then they drop him back into this vat. And, and they also mention, uh, by the way, this was all according to Kakaiku because it, when he was Diamond Man, they couldn't use the gun on him because it stops matter in living, living cells. cells. So they had to trick him to turn into a tiger and then zap him. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, like Roman Man was like, you, you, he accused Chief of using Rita as live bait. And Chief's like, no, it was part of my plan to uh, uh, wait until he turns into a tiger or something that can actually hurt her and then I'll zap him. Yeah. Like Diamond Man <laughs> can't hurt her. Hard <laughs> substance. Whatever. And then, so he drops him back into that vat, so he turns back into the guy, and Robot Man's like, you did it, Chief, brought Larson back. His next change will be into a prison uniform. <laughs> and the Chief says, I hope not, Cliff. He needs help. Mental care, not imprisonment. If he can be cured, that genius of his can do enormous good. Which is mind-blowing for me, because you never saw it. I, I was actually, yeah. that was the part I was like, that's pretty interesting. That's very progressive. Yeah. yeah, and throughout this book, we consistently see, because keep in mind, the comics code made it where you couldn't make authority figures evil, so like you couldn't have bad cops, you couldn't have bad politicians or anything, Like it was literally outlawed. So having like the cops rush in and be like, let's kill him, and he's like, no, no, we have to take a humane approach. And in the end, he's like, let's not even imprison him, let's give him rehabilitation and therapy. Therapy, mm-hmm. That's that's more progressive than fucking heroes in crisis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is and... that is pretty progressive. Yeah. <laughs> so so like even yeah. even even if the story was kind of mediocre, I think that there's there's our hints of what uh, yeah. they do patrol a unique book. Yeah, what you guys like about it, like the sequence yeah. of events that how everyone has a unique power and that the chief is like a moral compass for the rest of the team. I can see that. And if you guys want to know how Doom Patrol fits into, like, you know, like, why they're a book that people remember, not only, like Sly said, is it shocking that their book got canceled so Arnold Drake killed the entire team, but <laughs> in, like, 1968 or somewhere around there. But also, Rita is the one who adopts Beast Boy, and that's his first oh, yes. appearance when his parents die. And we, we might be revisiting uh, to Animal Vegetable animal vegetable Mineral, <laughs> the Animal Vegetable Mineral Man <laughs> 2, uh, eventually, uh, which will have Beast Boy... Mm-hmm. Uh, up here as well so we could see if you have a fan of Teen Titans you get to see Beast Boy <laughs> yeah who the fuck is Beast Boy <laughs> you don't know Beast Boy from the Teen Titans I never saw Teen Titans <laughs> how do you not know Beast Boy that's crazy know. that, that, that just feels being weird because most people know Beast Boy because okay. of Teen yeah. Titans Sorry. I mean, Beast Boy's not like a. <laughs> but like, like I wonder, like know, the when, when uh, the Teen Titans show came out, people were like, "It, it is he's a, a, a name because of the anime anime cartoon." Yeah. Yeah, he's certainly a bigger name than like any of the Doom Patrol people. Though <laughs> Robot Man is played by Brendan Fraser in the new show. That's pretty cool. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, and like, you should watch it in the show. It's oh, it's I, I haven't seen it yet, but Brian says it's good. I saw the first episode. It was really good. But anyway, so that's it. So that was Doom Patrol number eighty nine. Animal Vegetable Mineral Man. Wow, what what a character! What a guy! I can't wait to see more <laughs> of him. Yeah, I can't wait to see him come back and be an arsonist and kill. Like Sue Dibney comes back to life and he kills her again or something. <laughs> oh no! So speaking of villains coming back and upping the stakes, uh, our Patreon backers that make us read these things, you should give us more money <laughs> because on uh, for the Patreon drive, upgrading donors. 
will get some fancy stuff. And there's also going to be a whole slew of extra bonuses. Like I will be releasing the entire season one of my music blog podcast versions of the first nine posts that I've been writing over the last few months. And there's going to be giveaways and all sorts of great crossovers and really fun stuff. So you should join the Flying Machine Explorers Guild Facebook group to see all those updates as the month goes on. Because it's going to be a whole month of great, fun Patreon content. Yep, and share share the posts if you enjoy the stuff yes. and uh, let people know about us. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's how we grow. And, and, and review us if you haven't on iTunes, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. We so, also yeah. grow by uh, using our elastic powers to get become <laughs> big boy. Yeah. Yes. Do you think there's more people <laughs> in comic book that have fire powers or rubber band powers? Rubber, rubber band, band powers, powers sure. Rubber band powers, sure. There were like four but, in Infinite Crisis that were all fire that we read. Elastic Girl is not the only member of Doom Patrol that elastic powers uh, <laughs> on this on this particular version of the team. Later on, what's her name? Uh, Madame Rouge. Yeah, another well, one. She's a villain. But, she's like, from the Brotherhood of Evil, which is not the same as Stan Lee's Brotherhood of Evil mutants. Oh yeah, yes. I was about to say. Wait, I know the Brotherhood of Evil. Apparently, I don't. Toad, right? <laughs> but yeah, uh, but Madame Rouge. Toad, uh, yeah. Madame Rouge quits the Brotherhood of Evil and joins Doom Patrol. So yeah, for our point, you had two literal uh, elastic members on the same team both elastic women by the way it's such a weird power i feel like to go to like it's cool but it's like like fire seems like an easier one to to do i feel like there's more people that have fire no not not comic books no no (laughs) okay i don't know maybe we'll do a patreon over all the fire heroes and villains oh my god who knows okay but anyway thank you as always for everything that you do for us your humble Divisive Issues hosts. I've been Ryan. I've been Sly. I've been Phil. I've been Daryl. Stay in Patreon mode. I give you the incredible flying machine.